This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. And happy week. Holy cow, we finally have something else to talk about other than Trump. The Olympics. Yay! I have a whole new uh, love for handball. I don't know why I didn't even know it was a sport, which is sad. Apparently, it's big in Europe. And uh, we finally discerned all of the rules of handball. (sighs) A lot of good stuff going on. Phelps wins his 19th Olympic gold. You got to love that. And um, but except the ratings are still lower. NBC starting to worry. Like, is anybody going to watch the Olympics? It's like thirty. The opening ceremonies were thirty percent down from London. Crazy. Which Wonder is why twenty five no. million versus thirty million. So. And do you notice that nobody's in the seats of these things? Well, Even some, for of, a some of preliminary that, Brazilian volleyball. Some of that has game. to do with the people being stuck in security. <laughs> there are long lines. Yeah. The event starts. It fills up later, but initially they're all empty. Don't yeah. you think they ought to make that an Olympic event? Getting through security? Yeah, yeah frisk. Yeah. The fast frisk. Ah, oh, love Ooh. the fast frisk. I don't know if you want a fast frisk. You could well, miss. If you had to pick a frisk, okay. would you rather have a fast frisk or mm. a slow frisk? I'm going fast. I got a game to get to. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and then they got to scan you. But then um, – We've got this great television ability. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to name names, but we just hit a button and we can see everything, every event. You have no, don't name names. A certain system yes. that is from the parent company of the network that has the U.S. TV contract. So yeah, you probably have good coverage. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And you know what else is great? What's that? A lot of times they don't have a commentator making noise. I know. So you just get to make it up yourself. I was watching some of the basketball yesterday, and you're just, there's no, no one's talking. You're just watching the sport back and forth. My wife's like, what's going on? I go, I think I found bliss. There's no one explaining what I already know happened in front of me. It's heaven. And then they go to the halftime, and they show you some of the halftime show. Ah. And then they just go to a static screen that shows you the two teams and the score, and it sits there for 10 minutes. It's great. Yeah, and then, the, then you go get a snack. Game. But then you can jump to the next event. We watched ping pong table tennis. Yeah. And we we couldn't understand what they were saying to their coaches. Mm. So we made it up. And we spoke for them. There you go. Like, that guy hits the ball so fast. <laughs> so much more fun. Hey, we got a great show for you. We will be talking, of course, Olympics, which is great because we don't have to talk as much about Trump. Then in the first hour, Joe Cannon will be joining us where we're going to get into politics. Find out if it's is, – is it okay to say you had a short circuit? Hillary Clinton? I would guess no. No. And then, and, a then, better way. and then apparently in her answer where she had a short circuit, she had another short, short circuit. Not good. Yeah. But I don't think it'll matter. She needs an electrician. Well, yeah. Fix that. That's it. It's got to be an annoyance. She also somewhere called Donald Trump her husband. Yes, I heard that clip this morning. Which is Freudian. Totally but she didn't weird. say husband. She said, huh, I mean Trump. Huh! And maybe she was like, huh! Maybe yeah. she was. Maybe she was a little sick. Having yeah. a little moment. 
Maybe that was the short circuit. So we'll get uh, Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, get some insight from him about everything political, all things political. And, uh, of course, we'll give you the latest headlines, the latest and greatest. It is, by the way, International Cat Day. The international song sung by cats all over the world on this very special day. Mm. I don't know why it is, but my mouth waters every time I hear this song. That and if you hear the can opener. <laughs> like, oh! Mama trained me right. Fancy feast. <laughs> sorry. Don't drop the names. I'm, I'm sorry. Mercy. Everyone knows what it is with this one. Yeah, they totally do. But first, let's do the headlines with Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin? Thanks, Matt. Tens of thousands of Delta passengers around the world were grounded Monday due to a system-wide computer failure with the airline, unable to say when the problem will be fixed. They said our systems are down everywhere, the airline told customers on Twitter. The airline has suspended departures until the problem can be fixed while airport agents are writing out boarding passes by hand. The son of a Kansas state lawmaker was killed while on the world's tallest water slide, officials said 10-year-old Caleb Schwab died at a water park in Kansas City. He was the son of Republican State Representative Scott Schwab. The slide drop, the slide drops riders almost 169 feet at 65 miles per hour. It is listed by the Guinness World Records as the world's tallest water slide. The water park said it was saddened by Schwab's death and will be closed until Tuesday pending a full investigation. An American professor and his Australian colleague have been kidnapped in Afghanistan's capital. An official at their university told NBC News the pair were snatched as they sat in their car Sunday night following classes at the American University of Afghanistan in Kabul. They have not been named publicly on the request of authorities. Attempts to recover the kidnapped professors are underway, the the Kabul police chief confirmed to NBC News. It took the U.S. team, made up of Caleb Dressel, Michael Phelps, Ryan Held, and Nathan Adrian, three minutes, 9.92 seconds, to win the 4x100-meter freestyle relay title at the Rio Olympics over the weekend, which earned Phelps his 19th career Olympic gold medal with the victory. And over the weekend, Team USA saw other victories as well. Team USA is currently sporting 12 medals in total, three gold, five silver, and four bronze. So go Team USA. Go Team USA. Sweet, Caitlin. Thanks. It was fun to watch last night, ex- except when we flip our little magic television system. Yes. And you can get immediately to the Olympics. There's always the medal count. And all of a sudden, I it's it's highly competitive. Like, I'm wondering why China is doing so well. And then they're, I think... Have you seen how big their Olympic delegation they're was? They're China. They're huge. That's they a have lot of somebody and everything. That's the reason why we tend to lead the medal count is because we have so many people. Yeah. We're missing the whole point. Oh, I'm sorry. This was about world peace. Which was? Olympics. Really? Yeah. When? It's to, remember, we did a show on it. Oh, right. It's to promote world peace. And I'm not feeling a lot of peace. Is that why they banned the entire Russian Paralympic delegation? Yeah, what was that about? Apparently, they're pushing for winning beyond sport. With the Paralympic team? Yes. Apparently, the Paralympic team was doping or something. Oh, wow. It's like I, What's happening I in the don't Olympics? Know. <laughs> if you're going to dope, you got to make it count with like the. Well, they, they did. They did. Probably not the best way to put that, but they they did <laughs> spoken uh, they, like a true. <laughs> they expert. did. They did dope with their Olympic athletes, but apparently the Paralympic athletes had other things going on, and so they have uh, banned them from competition because apparently they were not. Uh, well, cheating, I guess, is yeah. the best way to put it. The American, the female swimmer, so uh, is it the Russian swimmer that did so well? 
And then the American swimmer wagged the finger at her. Yeah. Did you see about that one? No. Because she, You're really watching the Olympics fairly close. Yeah. I'm basically watching basketball and turning it off. Are you really? Yeah. No, there's a lot. More. Handball. Meh. Handball. My brother tried to entice me that way. Just that not is interested. exciting. It's just all it is is basically basketball. With your hand. With a huge net. Yeah. You're playing kind of volleyball, basketball, But soccer, apparently it's hybrid. big in Europe. Okay. There's a lot of things big in Europe. <laughs> and it is really big. <laughs> it's really big. Man, what a weekend, though. Um, we got to make sure everybody knows because we, we've got a lot of days we're celebrating today. Not mm. only International Cat Day, but Bowling Day. Derek! Mm. <laughs> I think that's baseball. And Happiness Happens Day. The International Sound of Happiness. Is that what that was? That was. It's uh, founded in 1999 under the name of Admit Your Happy Day. By the Secret Society of Happy People. I wonder who's in that. Hmm. After I pay my dues, I'm actually a member. The Secret Society of Happy People. Mm -hmm. But you know who they are. You see them. They're the ones at Walmart Mm. smiling all the time. They're the ones that just give you that look like, I'm really happy to see you. Happiness Happens Day aims to spread the joy of being happy. And to persuade people to look on the brighter side of life. How can you not love that day? That's all I got to say about that. Depends on how much you like happy people. Yeah, you don't like happy people. I, it's not that I don't like no, them. No, you it's hate just, them. I get at it. At times, it's like I, I just I feel that maybe they have a hidden agenda. Yeah, happiness. Well, it's like – so, Terry, it's like when you talk it's about much comic happy. books. Yeah, yeah. No, that doesn't cover it. It's a lot of happy noise. Mm, not really. We need a shorter happiness song. <laughs> I mean, because it's, I'm not saying, it, it, I'm not enjoying that. Well, happiness is long lasting. It's, it's, it's never ending. So, you know, I was unhappy yesterday. Why? It was supposed to be the first game of the NFL preseason. I know. How does a game get rained out? That does, It wasn't it, rained out. How, what was the weather problem or the field problem? It says here, this is a uh, report from Deadline.com. It's a TV blog. Is that like a really good source? It's an industry source. It says the record-setting heat of the summer of 2016 is causing problems all over the world, and it looks like it just claimed another victim, the start of the preseason for the NFL. Tonight's Hall of Fame game between the Green Bay Packers and the Indianapolis Colts has been canceled due to extreme poor field conditions. Specifically, paint and rubber on the field melted under high heat, forming an exceptionally sticky, hardened mess. Wow. It would be like playing on tar. Yeah. Well, aren't there other fields? Not ready for an NFL you know, national broadcast. Hmm. And apparently they didn't realize this was happening until right before kickoff. Really? Which I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. You'd, you'd be on this for four days. So you'd think the, the field had been cooking for quite a while and you could see that there mm-hmm. was a problem, but they canceled it right before it started. Uh, do you guys smell rubber burning? Now, all the players went out on the field, and they honored the Hall of Fame inductees. There oh, so was, there, everyone there was, a bunch. was there. We had the yeah. Hall of Fame moment. The crowd's all in the stands. Oh, we're canceling the game. So Is this in North Canton out. that they hold this? Yeah, Canton, Ohio. That's great. Well, it's too sad. Except for the congealed mess. My, my kids were sad, and then we're like, well, let's just watch more of the Olympics. Well, you only need to watch like the first five or six minutes of the game and then turn it off. 
I haven't Because then they bench everyone that matters. Right. And yeah. all the good players are sitting. All I the have, guys that will get cut start playing. Okay, when it comes to Olympics, have you heard... I haven't heard a lot of stories about how horrible the conditions are. Well, what are you watching? Well, I'm watching my Magic TV. Yeah, so basically you're watching NBC. Yeah. Yeah, I, they're not going to talk about anything negative. That, There's plenty of negative. Their happiness happens. There's plenty of people, people waiting in lines. There's... Oh, Security failures, busing is an issue trying to get from you know public transit from point A to point B. But yeah. that's been apparently, from what I remember, the last five or six Olympic Games, there's always problems when you start moving people around. Yeah. That's why. They just can't anticipate. And there's always like a 20-minute delay on a bus or something, and it just takes forever. Mm-hmm. So, But I, those stories go away because people are just happy with the Olympics, like yourself. Like myself. You know the Olympics? Yeah. NBC came out this week and said they they build the Olympics for women. Really? Their number one audience demographic for the Olympics are women. Okay. And women don't necessarily know a lot about sports. This is them talking. This, this is, is NBC. NBC. These were and, not and your so words. That's why they put together all the feature pieces that give you mm-hmm. the behind the scenes, the emotional, heart tugging, yeah. heart string pulling type you know stories. They... And they get criticized <laughs> for. And now they're being criticized because now they're basically saying women, as women are interp- interpreting this. I read some yeah. bunch of op eds on it saying that women and our tiny brains can't figure out sports. So we have to have emotional reality oh. TV. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's. But it seems ben like is very sensitive. To it seems like you're really enjoying. Yeah, I love your lifetime esque type. Olympics. I love it. I love it. And I know it was. I know it was designed for women because <laughs> did you see the man that broke his tib fib fracture? Heard about it? They, Saw, they never showed it no. on NBC. Of course but not. it's all over the internet. Yeah, and it was a major break. And he just. It was horrible. Did you go back and watch it? Over and over and over. Nice. I don't recommend you do that, <laughs> but it is jarring. Um, but I know. I noticed they didn't show it on NBC. No. And thank you. Do you enjoy that? Enjoy the violence of watching the, a, the filter take reality out of the reality no, contest. I like the reality of it. Okay. But see, the, all this preliminary stuffs. Like in in gymnastics, my all my wife and my daughter really wanted to watch it. We wanted to watch handball. We watched hmm. gymnastics for a moment. And this then is we like realized, the one time in your life you ever wanted to watch handball. Yeah, I thought get the handball. And back after on. two weeks, you'll never care about handball again. Exactly. Okay, that's the Olympics. That's the Olympics experience <laughs> right there. Totally. You care about all these sports for two weeks, and then you don't care about them anymore. Yeah. But it's great. It's so much better than talking about Trump. It is. We did a whole segment pretty much without talking about I heard some good news. Without using the T word. Traditionally, when the Olympics overlap with the election, yeah. the candidates step away for the Olympics. Hallelujah. Sort of. Trump is having an economic speech today. Yeah. Hillary Clinton will have one on Thursday. Both of them will mm-hmm. be in Detroit. Apparently, Donald's going to roll out his team of brains. His 13 White men. Rich white men. Several of them donated to his campaign Yeah, on his economic team. But, you know. Two he's courting, I was read. Really? He's trying to get more money out of them. So, And by the way, his numbers. We'll have to talk his numbers with Joe Cannon because he's getting money. Holy cow. Eighty-something million dollars in the coffers. Thirty-six million, I believe, from average folks. It's scaring uh, the Clinton 
camp because, boy, is she going to be able to keep getting that kind of money? She had $75 million, I believe, this year, this uh, this month. Interesting stuff, folks. We'll take a break. We're coming back. We're going to be talking politics. We couldn't go the entire hour without talking about Trump. Joe Cannon will be joining us. He's going to give us the uh, Washington Insider view of what's going on in the political world. Stick with us, helping you see the good in the world. This is The Matt Townsend Show. to the Matt Townsend Show. When we're playing Bob Dylan, you know it's Joe Cannon time. Joe is our Washington insider, a good friend of the show. He's uh, he's pretty much touched every part of American politics from serving as an assistant administrator um, in the Reagan administration under the, the EPA and also uh, was a candidate for Senate, was a chairman of a, of a state Republican party and also uh, an editor of a major newspaper uh, in the Intermountain West. We appreciate you, Joe Cannon. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Now, I know you probably are watching a lot of the Olympics. You seem like a, an Olympic aficionado. Uh, Maybe not. You know, I did watch the opening ceremonies, and I do like the Olympics. You know, I, I, I actually served on the uh, Salt Lake Olympic uh, Committee Organizing Committee. Right. And uh, no big, big fan of the Olympics in general, but we've been moving. See, we've moved our house. Really? And so it's been really, uh, we spent a lot of time getting, we, we, we like to say we're in our new house, but not of it. Uh, <laughs> lots of boxes and stuff. So That's got to be a, a big deal. Was this, was this like your family home that you raised yeah, your kids we lived, in? We'd lived in our one home for almost 30 years. Wow. So it's a... Big emotional and physical problem. That's a big deal. You should have called us, Joe. We have a lot of people here that would have helped you move. Oh, we had lots of help. It was a, we had a lot of help and a lot of friends, and most of our kids were here for the last couple of weeks, too. So. Oh, great. So they could all kind of say goodbye to the house. They all say goodbye to the house. Yeah, they didn't care about us. They were yeah, right. Whatever, Mom and Dad. I'm going to miss this house. Hey, um, interesting week last week for Donald Trump. It, it seemed like about midweek that the wheels were coming off the bus. Yeah, well, I guess that's the way to say it. Yeah, I mean, the, the it just... It, it seemed like a, 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 a very pivotal pivotal week. I think you're right. Uh, I mean, in my mind, it's very hard to see any pathway for Trump to win at this point. Now, having said that, of course, I've been wrong most weeks since we've been talking about, about this election. But uh, uh, Hillary's balance was uh, very substantial and and. Uh, many commentators, and I think anybody with common sense is looking, saying, well, her bounce was more than just a convention bounce. It had a lot to do with uh, Trump's apparently politically self-destructive uh, uh, behavior. Yeah. So what do you chalk that up to? Is that just Trump being Trump? Is Was this... Was this just a super aggressive Clinton campaign that was hitting him every day and making him react to their tweets? What was it? 
Well, definitely, uh, I, I think that their, the Clinton campaign has this number. It's almost like they put, uh, I saw a great cartoon of, uh, of the Clinton campaign in a wagon being pulled by the Trump donkey. And, uh, and, and she, there was a carrot held out, you know, and a, a carrot uh, held out in front of Trump, you know, showing, you know, tweets that he would just respond to, pathologically respond to. So, um, I, I mean, a lot of this was self-inflicted. Uh, Trump and others blamed the media, but, wow, he had just a series of thing after thing after thing that yeah. just kept um, all the attention on him and off of Hillary. And mostly, I think what's reflected in the polls, mostly looking at, is this guy suited to be president? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that, that a, a lot of his behavior reinforces the answer, well, no, because he's willing to say and do whatever and and respond to every little insult and, uh, uh, you know, in a way that just like, what, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, I, I heard um, one commentator say, look, you're in a boxing match. And there's only one other person in the boxing in the ring with you, and it's not the judge, it's not the people in the corners, it's not the fans, it's the person in the ring. As I think it was Governor Huckabee who yeah. said this, and uh, so go after the person in the ring. Yeah, why? Why are you talking about anything else but the person in the ring with you? Yeah, well, so. One thing that seemed to kind of trip him up as well was his um, unwillingness to endorse Speaker Paul Ryan, Kelly Ayotte as well, and uh, John McCain. Here's a quote of him finally, finally, basically uh, endorsing Speaker Ryan. Listen to this. In our shared mission to make America great again, I support and endorse our Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. And, and I don't know if you saw that. And then you, if it, well, did, I saw it. I mean, actually, the when the sound bite makes it sound pretty terrific. Yeah, th- the, this uh, one does. The but watching it <laughs> looked like the guy was in agony, agony. Yeah, thing. you know, it was it was the body language. He had to actually keep looking down to read the text to make sure he said every word. And it was honestly, it was. Uh, it, it, if you turned the sound down, you would never have known that it was an enthusiastic endorsement of Paul now, Ryan. So, so why were Ryan, McCain, and Ayotte so difficult for him to endorse? Well, any Republican would be yeah, wanting well, to work the down down the ballot people, right? They'd want to help them. Well, that's why he did it. I think is that a lot of Republicans are saying, "Look, you did win the Republican nomination." It wasn't the Trump nomination. And I think uh, enough people, maybe including his family, said, you've got to show that you're a team player. We're never going to get people to come out. And, and you know, the grassroots, and I'm not talking about the, uh, what people sometimes call the grassroots. I'm talking about people who show up at the polls and call people up and make them get, out, get them out to vote. All of those people were kind of dispirited that he was just, he, Trump, was going along without showing any connection mm. to the party. So I think that's why he did it. I think the reason that he didn't endorse them 
was purely personal, and that that's what seemed sort of of odd. You know, he was being punitive because they had all said negative things about him. Of course, he'd said lots of negative things about them, including particularly uh, John McCain. Right. But, but eventually, I think he and people around him said, look, you have to show some kind of unity or there's no chance. And he even and mentioned think- that in his... You know, we we have to unify was part of his message as well. But right. but I guess I mean John John McCain's in the run for his life right now. They're saying, and he, he have, even if he liked Trump personally, he couldn't like him publicly. And so it's just politics. Just just endorse and move on. It seems like that's what uh, Donald Trump has a lot of trouble with is just being just doing what you have to do. You know, bite the bullet and move on. Well, for a guy whose main claim to fame is being an illustrious businessman, uh, he's about to lose. He's about to lose in this art of the deal thing. He he hasn't. Uh, he I get. I, I have no insight into his mind, but he seems to think because he attracts big crowds and because he won a lot of votes in the primary that that's just going to translate into the general election. It's not. Uh, a lot of things have to be done for that for that to happen for any candidate, but for him in particular. Uh, and he just seems to, uh, you know, reject. Uh, if it's conventional wisdom, it must be wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, conventional wisdom says that any candidate of either party has to go beyond their base to win an election. No, there's no other way. There, there's there's not enough in either party's base to win an election. I think he was counting, honestly, and he said this one time. In one, uh, I saw one video clip of him, uh, you have to vote for me. You don't have any choice. You have to vote for me. And I, I think what he's thinking is, is because I'm not Hillary, I'm yeah. going to win. Yeah. And, and being not Hillary is necessary, but it's not sufficient uh, to, to win. You know, in fact, Hillary isn't known as the best, uh, you know, the best politician per se. She's not a great candidate usually. And she herself this week or last week made a mistake about and used the term short-circuited um, in about her FBI email question. Here's a quote she had, and I'd love you to respond to it. And, and has Donald taken advantage of this fall? That what I told the FBI, which he said was truthful, is consistent with what I have said publicly. So I may have short-circuited it, and for that I, uh, you know, will try to clarify, because I think, you know, Chris Wallace and I were probably talking past each other. Yeah, talking past each other, except then again, they came out after she made this clarifying statement, supposedly, and again told her that she's not quite coming true on her emails. Everything isn't what she said previously. So... Is is Donald taking advantage? I mean, is is he taking her on enough? This seems like she's just admitted to short circuiting. Um, what should he be doing about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Secretary Clinton is a very highly target rich opportunity, but he is not doing any. He I, he seemed to have pivoted. Yeah. The. the the elusive, ephemeral pivot that everyone keeps looking for, <laughs> Waiting for. And, has, and has been looking for for months and months. It looked like that might have happened last week with the, you know, primary and the endorsements of uh, 
the Republicans, Ryan, et cetera. Uh, but it's, it still remains to be seen if he could just be consistently on message. And he, he you know, he, he is clearly capable of being an attack dog. The question is, can he do it in a consistent, coherent way that can move the polls? And right now, the evidence from the polls is devastating for him. Yeah. I mean, on, a- on average, he's, you know, nine to ten points ahead in, in every major poll. There are a couple of little poll, little exceptions to that, but the overwhelming evidence is that, that she's consolidating and he's not. Mm. And is that something you make up? I mean, sure, I guess it would take a major, major misstep by, you know, by Clinton, right? Well, it, it's, it's not impossible to make it up. I mean, you can look at, in many past elections where people have been far ahead and then lost. Uh, in, and I think part of what's in, in the Trump mentality might be the Brexit vote. I mean, a lot of people thought that that would fail. One, mm-hmm. even though it's a lot closer than the polls here, uh, I think he's kind of counting on the, some sort of insurgency to develop, but he's not leading it. That the whole problem is he's not being a leader. He seems to be so, in a petty way, focused on slights and insults to him and correcting the record and yeah. and not, not saying, look, this is a major national campaign and you, you have to run it that way. Now, uh, there's some evidence that he's doing a lot of the, he and or the party, are doing a lot of the blocking and tackling in the critical states and counties in those states that matter. Hmm. So, so there's some evidence that uh, that he's got a little bit of a ground game going in these critical places. But you take Pennsylvania and Ohio because he's slightly ahead in Ohio or slightly behind. He's very, it's very close in Ohio, but it's getting to be not close. In Pennsylvania, even though, by the way, so I saw an interesting note that the Amish are all in for Trump. Are they? And that, <laughs> Amish for Trump. That, that might count in Pennsylvania. It might. Uh, a little bit, but he, he's still eight points behind, or she's eight points ahead mm. in Pennsylvania, a state that he claims is, uh, you know, not to make too big of a pun, but the keystone <laughs> of his ability to uh, to uh, win this thing, to take a state like Pennsylvania. And he's not, yeah, he's not succeeding uh, like he thought he would be. Let's take a break. We're speaking with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. We'll come back, continue the discussion. When we come back, I want to talk about, uh, you know, the payoff for, not for, according to the White House, Iranian, uh, the hostages taken by Iran. Um, Is this just an Iran-Contra affair that no one's paying attention to? Stick with us. We'll find out. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the line with me, Joe Bob Dylan Cannon, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you, Joe? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you love you love the nicknames we give way. you. Yeah, right. You'll go down in history. Tell your kids that one. 
Hey, uh, Joe, when you, what do you think about uh, the money released to Iran, but not for hostages? And uh, Obama's kind of de- – his definition of the whole thing. And why isn't any of this sticking to Hillary? Um, I guess I, to just answer the last question first, I, I don't think her fingerprints are anywhere near this. Sorry, I, I don't see how it, it very it narrowly would apply to her. I, I do think that if if Trump were successful in categorizing her as the Obama third term, then that it could have a general yeah. consequence. But I I think you know uh, Kerry was the Secretary of State that. Uh, None of this happened on her watch, so to speak. So I, I, I think even Trump would have a hard time making this stick to Secretary Clinton. Uh, and having said that, getting back to your bigger question, uh, cash on pallets hmm. in an airplane, it's really, really hard uh, to see how that's anything other than what it appears. Right. Is, a ransom payment. I mean, uh, on the ground, the at least the Iranians thought it was a ransom payment. They didn't let the hostage plane take off, apparently, until that plane landed with the pallets of cash and, and bills. Uh, you know, it may well... Both sides of this could be true. It may well be that the way, the way that the legally and structurally that payment was made was uh, as a uh, payment... Do Iran under this uh, under the Iranian treaty negotiation that they had? So I'm not. Both both sides could be true, but it's really really hard with a straight face to, to not yeah. see how that was anything other than a ransom payment. The National Review. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say the National Review has an article uh, that they posted talking about the fact that um, it's. It may very well have been illegal. It's against the law to uh, support financially or in any other way a terrorist state on the terror watch list. And uh, it was also still also illegal to transfer funds of any in any way to Iran because there was there were laws against it. So um, they're saying he and then the mere fact that he put it in different currencies. Um was a, a kind of a, a walk around around the law, but it still they believe broke the law. So, does this turn into anything? Do you think, or does everybody? I mean, his President Obama's uh, approval ratings are higher than they've been at any time in this second term. Does any of this stick? Does any of this matter? Well, let me just go to the National the article. I, I haven't read it, so I can't respond to it point by point. But I do think that government to government relations are different from what those laws might be applicable to. I and mean, if you or I did something, it would be different than if the government to government did something, especially since they, there has been created this framework of some kind of a relationship. I called it a treaty earlier. I think it's not yeah. technically a treaty, but the Iran-U.S. agreement um, probably insulates any of the uh, supposed illegality. I mean, I'm not trying to defend it. I, mm-hmm. think, I, I think you, you want to be pretty careful when you toss around that this could be illegal or not illegal. I mean, government, state-to-state relations are different and governed by different uh, 
rules than uh, than what an individual might do. Yeah. Uh, however, even Josh Ernest uh, allowed us how uh, some of this cash and maybe a lot of it could go to terrorist mm-hmm. activity. So uh, the, the one anomaly that I haven't heard much in the news, but is that at the same time this is happening, just in the last few months, both the United States Supreme Court in one case and a federal district court in another case have ruled that collectively Iran owes American citizens something like $12 billion uh, for, uh, as a result of being liable for deaths and property damage and injuries due to Iranian-funded terrorist activities. And so those are, and there are other cases out there. Those are just two that I that, that I know that we had decisions in, the, in recent months. Yeah. The Supreme Court came down and said, yeah, that Iran was uh, liable for at least $2 billion in wow. damages. And then another case uh, was like $10.5 billion in damage. So, you know, I, the, the one thing that I thought was a little bit disingenuous is saying, well, we're just paying Iran what we owe them. Well, mm-hmm. wait a second. There, there are multiple oh, debts going on here, and uh, what about the debts that Iran has to American citizens? Yeah, and and you know, you makes you wonder if the, if the rest of that one point whatever billion that was in dispute because of the embargo historically is going to be paid back now after all of this craziness. What what do you think about? Have you heard about an anti-Trump Republican uh, launching independent presidential bid? Have you heard about the the new Evan McMullen yeah, CIA veteran? Yeah, just this morning, Terry and I were talking about it, but I I don't know very much about it, and to be honest, I'm not going to spend a lot of time finding out about it. I it, I think it's uh, completely irrelevant. There is a you you do have a libertarian candidate mm-hmm. who uh, in some states has some traction. I mean, in in Utah, uh, the libertarian candidate gets 16 percent of the vote. Um, yeah, and Trump only gets thirty-seven percent. So, uh, you know, there's there's an alternative. Somebody just doesn't want to vote for Trump. They can vote for somebody who's on the ballot in most, if not all, states. This guy is going to have an extremely hard time. I mean, uh, the deadlines for most states has have already passed, and there are only a few states he could even get on, assuming he can get the uh, the signature. So, I don't know much about it, but. I can't put a lot of stock in it. Right. What What else is on your mind? What What have you been watching? What What are we missing? What should we be paying attention to? Well, we'll say just one thing. Forty two years ago today, Richard Nixon resigned as oh, wow. president of the United States. I remember I was just newly married. My wife and I were working for. Interestingly, Richard Worthland, who later became or was the pollster for Ronald Reagan and later the President Reagan campaign. And so in in 74, things looked pretty gloomy for the Republican Party. And and indeed, in fact, Jimmy Carter did win in 1976. And things looked pretty gloomy in the Watergate era, uh, Nixon resignation. But in the cycle of history, things change and have a way of changing. And, yeah. and uh, you know, six years later, Ronald Reagan was elected president. So, and um, that's right. It doesn't. I guess it doesn't take much to reset a party. Yeah, it, it could be things are getting more and more uh, uh, polarized today than they were then. 
But although probably not as many listeners as I can remember as well as I can, but boy, in that in that 1974 time frame, it was a very very dark time for Republicans. They got annihilated, not just in the presidency with uh, with uh, Jimmy Carter, but the House and the Senate. It was very very bleak. And then just six years later, a lot of things changed. So. Mm. So there's there's some hope for Republicans who are despairing because of Trump right now. Yeah, do not despair yet. Um, and there's always something down the horizon. We appreciate you, Joe. Thanks for your insight. Thanks a lot. Thanks good luck in your move. That's a uh, that's that's kind of good to know. It can fall apart, then a little you know five year swing, four year swing to the other side, and then comes back with a Reagan. Come on. There's hope, folks. Stick with us. We'll take a break. Come back. Wrap up the first hour of the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Hey, uh, got some crazy news out of Milwaukee. Fast food shooting. Listen to this. Be careful when you go to a fast food restaurant. A customer upset with his order at a Taco Bell shot into the restaurant's drive through window. Taco Bell management said that after leaving with his order, a man was upset to discover that the employees forgot to add his sour cream. So he called the restaurant and a manager told him to come back the next day for a free meal because they were closed. Authorities said the man returned a short time later, about 1220 in the morning, and shot at uh, the bulletproof window and an employee's car. No one was hurt, by the way. All of this because of uh, just just because they forgot his sour cream. You know, a guy's got, a guy's got to have his sour cream. Um, again, no one was harmed. But but Ben, uh, he's only got two days left. And Ben loves to put together a little audio, so he put together, I guess, just a little tribute to the story, and uh, we'll, we just want to let you have a little feel. You can light up a room with a dollop, a dollop of daisies. Very violent, we thought. Uh, ben, do you want to comment on your creation? Um, You're I'm just li- trying to catch. I'm a little bit offended that you pin all of this on me. Yeah. Um, the brainstorming session was not, was what? Was not solely, this was not solely my brainchild. I'd like the audience to know that. And Don, if you're listening. Um, okay. So no one was injured and the cocking of the gun was the goal. That was all. And dollop of Daisy had nothing to do with that. Commercial. That was all Ben Wasden at ravenicecream.com. Um, crazy news out of uh, um, what's it called? I guess Mil- uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Let's, let's listen to this. Kellogg's Cereal Cafe. Would you go to a cafe in, in Times Square where you can get nothing but cereal? It's offering. You know, great new spot for uh, cereal lovers opening a cereal cafe. The maker of Frosted Flakes Rice Krispies said a bowl of cereal at the cafe, which opened July 4th, will cost anywhere between 
Wow. Ben, quit eating. Uh, between 650 and 750. And you can take it to eat in or take it out. 12 ounce container of milk on the side, each bowl, and you just go eat cereal. Is that something you're interested in? A cereal cafe. By the way, Kellogg's also makes um, Fruit Loops, Snaps, Cocoa Crisps. Is that what it's called? Cocoa. It's like Rice Cocoa Crispy. Puffs, Cocoa. Yeah. Oh. So is this what's happening? Because wasn't that the, the typical food that would be eaten by like a frat house boy that has no other means of eating? And now, instead of a fine recipe or fine delicacies and fine foods in New York, you go and get a bowl of cereal. I don't know. How much do you pay for it again? Six fifty to seven fifty. I guess it depends on the bowl you buy. Like I want uh, apple jacks. I want a blue one. <laughs> Can I get a blue bowl with apple jacks in it? Seven fifty plus tax. Do you want milk with that? Well, yeah. Twelve fifty. Um, no, it's crazy what's happening to this world, folks. That's apparently enough people want just cereal in Times Square. People that have the munchies. Uh, interesting life we're living here, isn't it? And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a whole other hour or two more hours. Next hour, we're going to be talking about how to talk to your kids about politics. Have you ever noticed that your, your kids hear stuff through this election process and then they bring the questions to you? And many times you just want to say, you know what? Just give up. We're, we're moving to Canada anyway. What are you supposed to tell your kids politically? How do you set them up to succeed Those questions will be answered next hour right here on the Matt Townsend Show with Heather Ann Johnson, one of our contributors. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. And happy, happy Monday. Monday, a new new week. A start of a new life. Also, International Cat Day. Ah, nothing makes me hungry. More than this song. International Cat Day is a full 24 hours of recognition and veneration of one of humanity's oldest and most beloved pets. Beloved? Yes. Says who? Says the uh, hosts of International Cat Day. I think we should take a vote. Are cats the most beloved animal? Cats are beloved. Are they? Not the most beloved. Are they even beloved? Yeah. Nine out of ten cats say they are beloved. I just did a survey. Hmm. The festivities were put together for the first time in 2002 by IFAW, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, among other animal rights groups, to uh, celebrate the most popular pet on the planet. Wow. Cats are the most popular pets? I'm allergic. I can't go near them. They make me sick. 
in a good way, of course. Uh, today's also bowling day. Little quiz for you, Terry. Bowling began when? Well, the Where? first time there was a Friday night and no one had any idea what to do. That's right. There you go. Exactly. The Egyptians. <laughs> they used to have... What do you want to do? I don't know. Let's go bowling. Okay. As, as uh, primitive bowls have been found, bowls, I guess... So bowling lane. Bowling lanes have been found in graves from about 5,000 BC. In graves? Mm-hmm. Does someone get buried with their bowling ball? They always. They, they won the championship. Of- I guess if you get a monogram. Yeah. Well, and their shirt. Of course. If you got a bowling ball, you got a shirt. Interesting, the little dryer that blows on your hand wasn't invented till about early 1900s. Wow. What did they do? They used to have slaves blow up on your hand. Okay. Well, hmm. Hygiene was bad. It was sad. Well, but back then they weren't measuring that. Ben. Still mattered. <laughs> bowling day. I love bowling, except I have a problem. I don't want to get into it because, you know. Because you're going to get into it here in just a few minutes. I tend to pull my gluteus maximus when I bowl. Mm. And if I stretch too long, my kids say, Dad, you're showing off. Really? Why are you stretching that way? And I'm like, kids? This sounds like a legit problem. I don't want to get too technical with you, but Dad's got a gluteus maximus problem. Mm. I am the healthiest human ever known to man. Yes. And I stretch it for about five minutes before I bowl. And then I stretch it after every ball. Or I will be limping. You said you didn't want to talk about it, yet you continue to add detail. Needless detail. What do you mean needless? Needless. There are a lot of people out there that can't bowl because their glutes are too tight. Is this something you've heard other people talk about? No. Okay. But so, how do you know there's more than just you that has this issue? Because I'm, I am not exceptional. I am average. I believe we're all in agreement. So, if I am average, then an average amount of people pull their glutes when they bowl. Hmm. And I'm not sure if it's my bowling or if it's my leg kick. I'm going to say it's technique. Because when I when I bowl and then I kick my leg, it's well, usually I think, where I pull it. I think it's what when you try and do that Fred Flintstone kind of thing, that's going to hurt anybody. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't done that since. Do you do it like? Well, the way I the usually accident. do it is it's all upper body. Really? Yeah. You don't. You don't lean. You just no. walk up and just sort of fling it out there. A lot of my. A lot of mine's in the hips. They get mad because it like soars through the air for about five or ten feet, and then it just crashes <laughs> yeah. into the lane and rolls. You, the rest yours of the is very Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Except you don't run on your to- tippy toes. Yeah, there's no tippy toes involved. Tippy toes. Uh, anyway, we've got a great show. We're going to be talking with Heather Ann Johnson, also known as Hadge, uh, about. How to talk to your kids about politics. There's a lot of stuff your, your children may be hearing uh, from friends through the grapevine, just listening to the news, or maybe they're on the Trump Twitter feed, and they, they may not like what's going on. They may have been worried after hearing some of the conventions talk about how dangerous the world is. We'll be talking with a family expert on talking politics with your kids. But first, let's get uh, to Caitlin Thomas with the headlines. Caitlin? Thanks, Matt. In an interview on CNN on Sunday morning, Ohio Governor John Kasich confirmed a detail from a New York Times report, which asserted that Donald Trump Jr. did try to get him to join his father's ticket. Kasich also went on to say that he does not think Trump can win Ohio. 
Marco Rubio, currently running for re-election in Florida, said on Saturday that he opposes abortion even for pregnant women who have been infected with the Zika virus. I understand a lot of people disagree with my view, he said, but I believe that all human life is worthy of protection of our laws. Zika is known to cause birth defects in children. A 20-year-old college baseball player was fatally shot late Saturday near San Francisco's Fisherman's Wharf while playing... Pokemon Go. Police said Calvin Riley was shot in Aquatic Park, a popular tourist area, around 10 p.m. by an unknown suspect. Paramedics were not able to revive Riley, a pitcher for a local college at the scene. An investigator told reporters that shooting that the shooting makes no sense and that the area was bustling when Riley was shot. Authorities said they hope surveillance footage, in addition to witness reports, will turn up new evidence. Three-time gold medalists Serena and Venus Williams had their hopes for winning a fourth consecutive Olympic title, but those hopes were dashed as the doubles duo lost for the first time on Sunday at the Rio Games. In a huge upset, the sisters lost in the first round to a team from the Czech Republic. Out of 16 Olympic matches played together, this was the first time the tennis stars lost. And last match, the U.S. women did what was expected of them in the all-around final, hitting all 16 routines with ease, making no major mistakes, and, of course, making it look fun. At the end of their subdivision, they had earned the highest team qualifying score by far. Second-place Team China sat nearly 10 points behind the U.S. Three of the U.S. women were eligible by placing in all four events and qualifications, but only two would be allowed to advance because of the two-per-country rule. Simone Biles, Allie Reisman, and Gabby Douglas finished first, second, and third, respectively, after four of five qualifications. All three broke 60 points and were at least a point ahead of the fourth-place finisher, but only Biles and Reisman will move on to the all-around final. So it's kind of good and kind of heartbreaking news. It is. And you know what? It means that I, I guess I'll have to watch more of it tonight and tomorrow and every day. And we don't have to talk about Trump as much. All because of the Olympics. And I have magic TV where I can just say Olympics, gymnastics, boink, there's gymnastics. Yeah, my my, uh, my provider has a special feature where you can pull it up and you get six or seven screens. Yeah. And you can just roll around and pick the one you want. That's fun. Or they grouped a whole bunch of them together. So you, you go to what channel 148. You hit select and it drops like nine channels below it. They're all like A, B, C, D, and you cool. just go down. And, well, if this you, is good living, well, I like it. Just consolidates it, uh-huh. so you don't have to go through and see like every channel has the Olympics on it. They just tuck, yeah. tuck them away, yeah. put them away, and I can go. You know, but isn't it a great re- reprieve from politics? Mm. Honestly, I don't know. Handball beats you know Trump and Hillary ball any day. Okay. The problem is when you only have one channel, so you end up watching cycling for two hours. Yeah. Yeah, you need a new television. Yeah. Yeah, yours seems to be broken. I don't know if you can fix that, but it seems to be an issue that way for you. What you ought to do, find a friend or relative and go visit them. And do just I have show to be up? friendly to the relative no. I choose? No, just friendly okay. enough to say, can I borrow your remote? Then you sit down and... Next thing you know, you're watching the Olympics. And then ask if they have any food. <laughs> See how that goes. I tried that a couple weeks ago. It didn't turn out too well. Well, remember, it's got to be someone you know, or the, that's breaking and entering. Remember, we taught you that. Well, they were my relative, but same kind of effect. You can't have a relative third generations back on your genealogy you know, tree. Really? It's got to be somebody that actually knows you. Okay. That's not how you use your genealogy to go find people to stay with. Just letting you know. 
Okay, that, that's really good to know. I'll, know. I'll write that down. We're tr- we, that's what we're here to help. Ben. That is a TV show. Yeah, it is. Rel- relative race right yes. here. on BYU TV. BYU TV. Hey, uh, did you hear the whole story about Delta Airlines having to shut down? Yeah. It was... A little power outage. Was it United before? I forget. Did so they there, do that? There was somebody else who had some computer problems several months ago. Kind of ground... I didn't know if it grounded their fleet, but it caused a huge problem and... This morning, per ticket purchasing, you have a little outage of computers in Atlanta, and you shut down your entire fleet for six hours. Yeah, that's problematic. Maybe you want to try to backstop that better. Yeah, I don't Back. know how you would, but you need. No you know what? I'll just answer it. You need an external drive. You know what it was? They tried to update to Windows ten, <laughs> and it crashed their entire network. That's it. So what I'm happened? Sure, that's it. What? Don't you don't have to do it all at once. Just so, do it one at a time. And it probably happened a week ago because that's when the free offer for Windows 10 ended. And they probably went, "Oh, we better update all these computers," and then it crashed. The the power outage at an Atlanta hub uh, took down the world's second largest airline. Five hundred and fifty thousand daily passengers. They were processing people by hand, <gasps> the old fashioned way. Yeah, which is you know. But I guess Efficient. it doesn't affect the flights, just the scheduling and your ticketing. Getting people in and off planes and purchasing tickets, yeah. Here's the question. Do you still get a TSA frisk? Yes, it doesn't affect the TSA. Excellent. Is that a fast frisk or a slow frisk? It depends. Either With way, the TSA. it's probably inefficient and misses quite a few weapons because that's how, that's how the trend has been. Okay, here's a question for you that's a little strange, but I faced it once. Hmm. Do you face the person frisking you in the – do you look them in the eye? Yeah, that's a little awkward. I have to look away. Do you yeah. want to know your frisker? Because there's there's the eye contact makes it very real. Hmm. You know, I like to go to my happy place in my head and why, just roll well, my. Why did they eyes pull back. you out of line? I don't remember. I think it was my big belt buckle. Really, my big rodeo belt buckle. Okay, that'll do it. Just you don't look like anyone that would be well, of concern. Like you don't think I'm somebody that's packing like a batarang? Not even that. No. Good. Because yeah. I mean, I am. I found out last Friday what a batarang is. I can't stop playing with it. It's great, right? Not really. Superhero toys. No, not real. Hey, um, we talked about cereal earlier, right? Yes, the cereal bar mm. that opened up in New York. I think it's overrated. I want. What if I want toast? They have toast. Uh, what do they call them? Restaurants now. You can go in and get your own flavor of toast. Are you serious? Yeah, it's the latest thing. What's happening in this world? Well, Cheerios, yeah. General Mills, they're announcing a new flavor of Cheerios. Oh. So I want to run it by you, see okay. if you, you know, wanted let to me try just, some out. Let me get centered, and then you run it by me, and I will do an immediate response. So here in a couple of weeks, just in time for fall, yeah. they'll be available by Labor Day, Okay, pumpkin spice Cheerios. Mm. No. You don't think so? No. Pumpkin spice Cheerios. No. Mm, no. Just let that roll around in your head for a second. I pumpkin love spice. Don't get me wrong. Is mm. it going to taste like pumpkin spice cake? Mm, usually when they go pumpkin spice, it, it depends on the quality of pumpkin spice. Mm. Sometimes they there's like a... My wife has these, uh, they're like chocolate chips, but they're pumpkin spice uh-huh. chocolate yeah, chip. They're yeah. pretty gross. I, really? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want that. You need to get the highest quality pumpkin spice. And you want, I want like the cream cheese pumpkin cake, mm. spice cake with cream cheese top or uh, icing. If it tastes like that, I'm in. 
If it um, tastes like, uh, I don't know, a tire with a little bit of pumpkin spice on it. Yeah, that would be not interested. less than appealing. A tire? Yeah. Whoa. Some cereal, I've noticed, by the way, rips the top of my mouth. I'm not naming brands, but just, just say I don't like Little Pirates now. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I had some of that this weekend. You just didn't chew Shredded the, the top of my mouth. Really? Mm-hmm. Was it, was it good? It was fantastic. I mean, besides the, yeah. the internal wounds. Besides, into, yeah, until I started bleeding. It was good. Don't like Little Pirates. Okay. Well. Or Little Captains. Little Captains? Didn't want to say the captain word. Might have a level of crunch to them. Lots of crunch. Berries? Not berryless. The berryless crunch. Uh-huh. From a little captain. Interesting. But I couldn't stop eating it. Like we talked around that entire and I've talked brand like name this. there. I've talked like this. And then my wife's like, I think you probably ought to stop eating that. I can't. It's so good. Was it after your public speaking events? Yes. Okay. Because I didn't want you to get up there and that was fantastic. Represent yourself in front of no, it was great. Mass amounts of people. Lots of singles. I got photographs. You did? I did. I didn't send you photographs. I had people that did were you? attending. Did you really? I did. Did um. That's I, why. That's why I sent you that text. Did you see yeah, the text I, the I text. sent you? I found a wife for Ben. Did you? Mm-hmm. You really? solved everyone's problems. Yeah. yeah. She said no, but oh, I found no. her. She's well, fantastic. Why would you even say that? What? You you raised my hopes. Well, no. I mean, no doesn't mean no. She wanted to know what we'd pay. Okay. She wants me to call her. So I'll, I'll get the number after the show. No, she actually, no. She doesn't want you involved in the transaction. But she loves ice cream, and she wants to start an ice cream business. And I said, well, I got a guy that's got almost got one started. So it's exciting. Ben may be getting married on his last days of the show. Mm. We'll take a break, folks. Heather Ann Johnson will be here. It's going to teach us how do you talk to your kids about politics. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer and stronger. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here in studio with me is Heather Ann Johnson, also known as Hadge. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Remember Madge from the good old days? Well, we like to just soak in a little Heather Johnson. She uh, has a wonderful website. you got to go check out um, her blog, her book, her self-published book, Family Fun Fridays. And um, you can also find her on, on Twitter at Pen and Paper Girl. That's, is that really what you're still calling yourself, Heather? It is. You know, to be honest, I love technology and I love where we're headed, but I I love pens. I love writing with my hands. Do you really? So I does do. my wife. I love that. She'll do that for hours. Yeah, I could. My my dad's a beautiful artist and calligraphist, and I just grew up watching him, and so I could, I is could he, do it forever. So he could like he could do he could like make the Constitution ornate. He could do anything and make it look beautiful. Yeah, it's how he sometimes he got us through sacrament that way. Like he'd draw pictures right. and we'd guess what it. I mean, he just so during church, your dad would he's just a master help at you it. He he would. What a he good would. dad! I know. He's what great. a good dad! But your website, familyvolley.com. Family, uh, we know what that means. Volley is a tennis volley. It is a tennis volley. I grew up playing tennis. I, I'd play it every day if life allowed it. But Greatest then sport on earth. It, it, it truly is. Then my, I decided to have kids, and so I can't play anymore. My wife just popped 
apparently an unnecessary tendon in your leg. Oh, no. Playing tennis. Playing tennis. It happens sometimes. Yeah. So what's the what's the verdict? Uh, just just drag her leg for a couple right. months. <laughs> no Great. big deal. No big deal. No yeah, braces, no says. surgery. You'll be fine. Yeah, no big deal. We went to a viewing last night and she's just walking like a really, really old old grandma. Yeah. Gingerly, very mm-hmm. carefully. Yeah. But it's, I love tennis. I played it my whole life, but I haven't been playing it as much. Right. It's hard. But it's the greatest sport it on is. earth. It is. I, I, I liked getting people a little... Upset. I kind of like when opponents get a little heated. And did, did you notice two of our champions lost in tennis yesterday? I know. The Venus. No, Venus and Serena Williams. It's a sad day, isn't it? Yeah. It, it is. That's a surprise. It is. And Djokovic lost, apparently. See? We've had a couple upsets. I know. We had a couple in the open. It's, now what? I know. Now, <laughs> now what are we going to watch, too? I always feel bad when it ends because it's like, well, what am I supposed to watch now? No, now you go back to Trump, <laughs> which is why you're here. <laughs> which is why I'm here today. What are we supposed to tell these kids? Heather is a uh, an adjunct faculty member here at Brigham Young University, and she teaches uh, her students how to build healthy, strong families. But as we watch the conventions – and we hear, depending who you're listening to, that either America's falling apart or America's <laughs> never been better. And we have all of these trust issues with our candidates. What are we supposed to tell our kids? My kids have a lot of questions. Sure, absolutely. Well, and my husband and I aren't necessarily political per se. Yeah. It's not – I'd much rather be playing tennis than watching – politics. Sure. It's just you're not physical, my thing. physical, not political. It, there we go. It's exactly right. But the fact of the matter is when we have all of this swirling around us, especially election year, there's so much that our children are hearing. Even if they're not in front of a television, they're still getting it. And so we've got to start using the opportunities to teach values and principles. Yeah. Much more than teaching like Trump versus Clinton. Right. right? So it, it doesn't matter who you side with and what you care about. The fact is we need to be teaching our children values. And this is such a fantastic time to do it. Because the principles and the values will transcend the policies. Always. Always. And the people and everything. And mm-hmm. it's those values, those principles that actually turn them into young adults and adults that right. can function and contribute. And so remember, part of politics, too, it really is that contribution. It's giving back. It's being involved. It's it's why living in America is so wonderful. It's, yeah. it's our freedoms. So the first thing you're going to do is instead of thinking, who do I side with? Who do I care about? You know, my kids need to know we're for this person. Right. We're going to teach them very nonpartisan. So what we're going to teach first and foremost is we're going to start with concepts, not opinions. Okay. What do you mean? So concepts mean that they need to know things like how our political system works, which means we vote and how a vote works and what that looks like. They need to know who's elected. They need to know and be able to identify leaders in their local area, right? Understand that there's governors and that there's mayors and, you know, we have a process on a local level as well as a – So all of that instead of just saying, look, you you just vote Republican. Right. It's exactly right because we're telling them things when they hear everything around them and start to grow up. It's like, well, wait, I don't even know what that means. I don't know where to process or put that. Mm -hmm. And so leave the Republican and Democrat out. Teach them that we live in this land where we can vote and where we do have leaders and we do have opinions and we do have options and, you know, freedom of teach them that process. Yeah. And so when we start to do this, a couple other things, you know, you would be very surprised to know that most children don't know who the president is and nearly uh, even elementary school, very few know who our vice president is. Really? And so now we're going back to basics. We have a president. We have a vice president. These are their names. It changes every couple, you know, yeah. work the process with them. A couple other things that make it very important 
that are uh, that are concepts, not opinions, are when we explain to them the difference between our political system and the political system in other countries. That then helps them understand why it's so powerful that we get to live here. Mm. That's they, such a good idea. They really start to develop this understanding and belief where they feel that what they have around them is a value. So instead of feeling entitled to something, they know that there's a value behind it and they need to uphold and support that. And there's a responsibility to it. You've got to keep it going because this is – I mean this this takes responsibility. This isn't just something you throw around. It's exactly right. And those – options are not in other places. Those options are here. A couple other things we neglect to teach, but really maybe even should trump it all, is to teach our children the Constitution. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat or like Trump or Clinton. The Constitution is what governs our political yeah. our, our political system. So teaching them that, and we're not on the East Coast where you can, you know, take a metro ride and go see it. Mm-hmm. And so until that might be an option for your kids, let them understand where it came from. Let them understand what it teaches us, what we stand for as a nation. And then they can start once they get old enough to develop their own political So views. when your kid comes to you like mine has and said, so are you voting for Trump? <clears throat> I would say, quiet, <laughs> shush. No, I, I would say, um, no. Well, I'd say we'll get there. Okay. But let's talk why we do this, how we do this, and then get them into this discussion. Right. And remember, these are discussions you can have with children as small as two, three, four years Uh old because they can already understand. You know, our two-year-old very much can understand someone winning over someone else, right? right? And and that, in a sense, is a vote. She can understand when she's got an older brother saying, I think we should do this, and she's got an older sister saying, no, 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 I'm going to convince you Mm -hmm. to do this, right? That's a political system. Yeah, well, and we've had people, we've had our kids running for offices before. Absolutely. And that's where we ended up having having a lot of these talks is, so how do you want to influence people? What do you want? But it's the same. It's Every one of these kids are going to vote for some Something. election. Yeah. Right. And they vote in school. You know, even kindergarten, they're taking votes. All of this is an opportunity for us to pull it back and say, this is part of our political system. This is how cool. it works. So start with those concepts. Start with the Constitution. Start with what makes America great. Leave out all the opinions. You don't. We don't need to introduce them no. to those things, especially when they're younger. We don't have to do that yet. Now, once we start to do that, we're going to start to teach them and help them understand that really – Freedom does rely on participation. So we want to teach our kids that they need to take part. That's great. Now, here's the tricky thing. That means that we have to show them by example because I can tell our kids till I'm blue in the face. It's important to vote. It's important to vote. But I'll tell you, they know full well on voting day if I have a sticker on my shirt because I went or not. Sure. And they will call me out on it every time. Well, mom, I thought it was important to vote. Well, did you vote? Um, I've been busy. Well, I thought you said it didn't matter, right? Right. And so it's really important that we have to show them this by example. Whether we're diehard, you know, politicians or not in our home, it really is a responsibility we have. If you believe that and you're going to teach them that, then you need to follow through with it. One of the crazy stats that we laugh about on the show in a way is of everybody in the primaries, only, I believe, 14% of the people – voted in the United States, right. voted. Some can't because they're too young. Some can't because they're in jail. And some <laughs> can't for a variety of other reasons. But uh, And then some don't. Right. 14% voted. And when you think about it, that means roughly, you know, 8 or 9%. I think it was maybe 16% voted. 8 or 9% for Clinton. Mm-hmm. 8 or 9% of the country voted for Clinton. And 8 or 9% voted for Trump. So your choices have come down to right. 15%. Of America's vote. And that, that's it? And that's – so if you're complaining about your choices, right. 
Don't blame anybody but your lack of participation in the right. primary. Because you're still sitting on the couch. That's right. right. And our kids pick up on that. And so if you think about the process, if we've just told them the Constitution is great, we're a free country, we're allowed to vote, we teach them these things, and then we say, and you need to vote, and then we sit on the couch and don't vote. Right. The message is very quickly sent, actually, this doesn't matter This at all. doesn't matter. And we've talked about before, I know you and I have had the conversation about the research that shows us that the things we don't talk about naturally teach our children we don't care. Mm-hmm. And so if I sit quiet, and remember, I am not political, so I'm not preaching this in our home. I'm simply teaching the values and skills. So don't think by hearing it, it's like, oh, gosh, now I've got to be a huge, you know. Right. I got to all of a sudden run for PTA president. That's yeah. not what we're saying. No. But we do have to understand that by staying quiet, it automatically sends the message to our children that we don't care. And, and you don't – you've yet to even mention a name of a candidate. Nothing. Nothing. You There's, just talk the principles. Right. And so – and really isn't that how we want a parent yeah. across the board, right? We're teaching the principles and then we hope that by teaching the principles and living them, our children then take that where they need to take it. Mm. And so then they can make their own decisions. So this leads us to a couple other really important things. The next one is we want to start understanding that when we do start having these talks with our kids, we need to tailor them to their ages. So us jumping in with, you know, abortion and these big, you know, with our five-year-old, six-year-old, they're like, I don't don't even understand. (laughs) When we do that and they don't understand, they immediately will tune us out, which means they will never have any sort of interest in it. So we've got to turn it to something that they like. I know for our youngest children, president to them, uh, we explain it that a president to them is very much like a parent for our country. And they try to help our country make the right decisions or make good decisions. Well, our six-year-old can understand that, right? First grade, it's like, oh, I get it. My mom and dad helped me make good decisions. Oh, a president just does that for a lot, a lot of people. Is that why dad golfs so much, mom? (laughs) Yes, it is, honey. It's exactly right. Yeah. And so we can do that. We can make it part of who they are for their age. Uh, They don't understand war and nor do they really need to, nor do I want our young children really understanding right. it, but they can understand that their neighbor's dad is is fighting for our country and that he has to go away for some time to help protect mm-hmm. us. So when we curtail it to their age, it puts them in a position where instead of being overwhelmed by what they're hearing, they can grasp it, they can internalize it, and now they can start to process, oh, okay, this is how this works, and this is what I'm seeing around me instead of right. the news, which is just showing oh. them dead body you know and maybe turn off the news right lots of times people will say go watch it but if you're going to watch the news and you want your children to do it to be involved allow them to watch channels and read books and magazines websites that are going to support them mm-hmm. there's some fantastic ones uh, pbs does what's called the democracy project it is one of my very favorite websites jump on and allow the lessons to help teach your children again it's called the democracy project on at pbs.org and they do such a fantastic job of allowing our children to understand the current events that are going on in the world mm. without us getting overwhelmed. And while we're doing that, there's a couple other really good ones. Uh, Channel One News is online. Nick News is another great website. And HTE Kids News, fantastic resources right there in front of you. Jump on. Your kids love to be on technology anyways mm. and use them as a teaching teaching and, tool. And that way the kids – and then if you're there, you talk. You, you kind of help them debrief, help right. them go deeper, figure out what's going on, and then tie it back to your other ideas. Right. And we can do that when we yeah, come, we'll back. come back. We'll talk about talking about it. We'll come back and continue the discussion with Heather Johnson from FamilyVolley.com. Go check out our website. Great resource for all of us here, folks. Stick with us. We'll take a break. Be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in studio with us, Heather Johnson, also known as Hadge. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. We're soaking uh, Heather in today. She's walking us through some steps to help us be, um, I, I don't know, create a stronger political understanding for our family, our children, helping them understand what's going on in the political world. It's not an easy world to, to jump in with them, but they, they find out about it. They hear about it. Politics is everywhere, isn't it, Heather? It's I mean, all the time. They're getting hit with it all the time, whether they know it or not. And the, yeah, they, they may not even conceive it as politics. Right. But boy, and, and we have very they have very limited impact on a national election. Right. But we still need to inform them. Right. Because remember, they might not have an impact right now, but they are going to have an impact in, you know, T minus eight years. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, shorter. And so maybe don't do it as a countdown. Right. That sounds scary. <laughs> Plus, they're making decisions, right? A lot of the decisions that they'll start to make oh. will be based on this political belief system, which, right. again, is driven by a religious. Belief. It's it's driven by so much. So that's why if we can keep it to the concepts and their understanding of what we stand for, what our country and our nation was founded on, it really helps them then. And process all the other information. That's what you've been telling us is don't don't even start out with I'm a Democrat. This is what it means. It's right. kind of more get all the general concepts down, not opinions down. Freedom and participation. Freedom demands participation. Right. So talk about voting. You got to mm-hmm. be a partner in this, and then tailor your talks to their age. Right. Every age might have a different need or a different right you know, and fear. a different understanding and so we're going to tailor it to their ability to process and understand and this also you naturally know your children you know regardless of their age if you've got a 14 year old who you know the neighbor's 14 year old kid could handle a conversation on war but yours can't well, right. don't you know change that don't give it to them until they're quite ready mm-hmm. for that don't push them to fear because they won't want to take part some other things before we've even stated what our opinions are And this one is so important because this actually affects them each and every day is we need to help them understand that free speech does not trump courtesy. Mm. No pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It it does not. And so as we're teaching them that that freedom of speech is part of what this nation was founded on and our ability to do that, they need to clearly understand that it does not trump the need to be courteous in, in any aspect. And remember, this isn't just in politics. This is for them on the playground. This is on an athletic team. This is when they're frustrated with a teacher or with us or with one another. Yeah. This is a concept that will serve them till they die. I don't even if I disagree with you. I can hear you. I can be courteous. I don't bully you. I don't embarrass you. It's exactly right. Put downs. Right. And so this comes down to recognizing that you can explore thoughts and feelings, but we have to teach them that by exploring that and doing it the right or wrong way, every thought and feeling has a consequence and they need to understand that. So in our house, we kind of tie it down or bring it down to three very important concepts when we start to teach this to our children. The first is we teach them that they have to be able to disagree with respect. Mm. Okay. They have to be wrong with integrity and they have to be right with humility. That's great. Now, Take politics aside. We're just talking family life, parenting, you know, these values and skills that they need. If you break that down, imagine what would happen if our leaders in businesses and schools and organizations could disagree with respect, could have integrity when they were wrong and have humility when they were right. Boy. It would dramatically change not just our homes. Problem but anywhere, solved. Right. And so we want our children to recognize freedom of speech is a amazing blessing and opportunity to be able to have your own opinion and to speak that opinion. Yeah. You have to be able to do it and handle it 
in the right way. We teach them that right on our own couches in our own backyards. So this is very important, really important. Free speech does not trump courtesy ever. And they'll, they will have 500 opportunities to learn that, with e- especially with each other. Right, right next it's to each the, other. That's why it's the perfect little incubator. Absolutely. And, you know, we're kidding ourselves if we don't already recognize that family life is the place where we teach them to then be in a business setting, in a political setting, in a work setting, right. you know, with friends out on a Friday. That's where they learn these things. You know, I think of our kids immediately. And one we're working on with our daughter right now is to win with humility. <laughs> she wins and it's like she's got the Die. dance and she's got the <laughs> I told you so. Yeah. And this ability for us to teach her, you know what, this is how that makes other people feel. And winning takes humility just like oh, losing that's does. Great. So those three things, if you can if you can start to implement them, they tie into politics and even more into real real no, world totally. family life. So those are really key. So we've done all this, right? And and we're sitting back going, but wait a second, I have an opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know who I want to win. I don't like the other can't I want to speak up about right, it. Right. Especially right now when we feel it so much. So when it is time to share our opinion, there's a few things we want to keep in mind. The first is that we always need to use a neutral tone. When we start getting heated and upset when we're sharing, we've just negated all that we're trying to teach them, right? <laughs> so so use a yeah. very neutral tone. Another is parents often ask, well, how do I go ahead and deliver what people believe or what I believe? And so really good statement, very easy. You can say Democrats tend to believe, mm-hmm. Republicans tend to believe. This allows them to still process their own information. It also doesn't you know, pigeonhole a, a Democrat or a Republican. They can't change their opinion. Right. It just lets them understand, you know what? People in the Democratic Party tend to believe this. Yeah. Republicans tend to believe this. It's a great way to start teaching them that there are differences, that there are different sides. But it's not uh, – it's not so – It's not so factual. Right. Or segregate so bad. Republicans are right. this you and must. Democrats are this. <laughs> right. Because what's going to happen – and understand we might not want it to happen. But what's going to happen when we have a 21-year-old who then says, wait a second. I subscribe to a lot over here but yeah. a little over here and I need to think about that myself. If we've taught them any other way, then now they think they're either wrong mm-hmm. or that it's a rebellion or they go too f- – we've got yeah. to we've got to allow them and, that opportunity. And you can even then talk independents that, that have a hard time buying either side fully. So right. there's just – there are other choose choices. Your, choose your person. Right. There are and, other choices. And rank your issues. Right? right. And so we start to work through that That's instead neat. of it must be this way. Or if you're a Republican, you can't deviate. Mm-hmm. You can't. Because let's be honest, it, it kind of is all gray. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's oftentimes gray for me. Yes, I like that. I subscribe to a party. But at the same time, there's a lot of things I don't like mm-hmm. right there. So I have to work that out also as an adult. That's great. The next thing when we're sharing our opinion that's powerful is to recognize that we need to focus on what we're for instead of bad-mouthing what we disagree with. Yeah. Now, there can be plenty of times if you want to do it over dinner, you know, with another couple and you're all adults. If you want to bad-mouth, then have that conversation then. But when you're with your children, work on teaching them what it is you stand for, opposed to constantly bad-mouthing all the negatives in the person you don't like. And why, right? So why are we for this? Right. And And the reasons behind it. Now, this leads us to probably what our last point today can and should be, and that's teaching our children this way is a very powerful way to teach them to think for themselves. And if we can get anything out of this election year, regardless of who steps into office, let's teach our kids how to think for themselves. Oh, yeah. There's some really key things we can do here. Remember that kids who don't learn to think for themselves, once they hit teenage years and then adult years, they're plagued by a couple really 
unfortunate things, boredom, even as adults when they don't know how to think for themselves, very poor social skills. Uh, Adults who can't think for themselves struggle with ambition. And we've actually found that they're generally more unhappy when they Mm. can't think for themselves. Now, of of course, makes sense, right? If I can't think for myself and make my own decisions and I'm always being pushed and pulled and told what to do, I'm not going to be happy either. And so if we can't teach this to our children young, then all of a sudden we have adults who who are lacking the social skills they need, the happiness that they need in order to be adults that contribute. So a couple things we can do to help them think for themselves during this process and each and every day. The first one, and right plays into talking to our kids about politics, is to encourage conversation. And this is what you were just saying. There's a need to avoid yes or no questions. We're so quick to say, ask a question that can only be answered with a yes or no. It negates their opportunity to think through anything. Ask them open-ended questions where yes or no is not an option, right? If we catch ourselves asking a yes or no question, follow it up with why yes or why no. Uh So they have to continue to explain. They've got to think it through. Ask them why it's the case. Ask them what do you think we should do? You know, our kids come to me a thousand times a day. I should say it's it's getting better the older they get. But what what about now? What should I do with this? Or how do I fix that? Or how do I – the question is what do you think we could do? Yeah, always throw it back. What what can we do right now? Or how would you handle Mm -hmm. it? What have you already tried? Let them think through, well, it's broken. I've tried this, this, and this. Okay. And did they – work? no, they didn't work. What's another thing we could try? This is the same process, whether it's politics mm. or a broken, you know, iPod or, you know, a broken jump rope. Same process. But see, that's too much work, well, Heather. Do you <laughs> not see that? That's too much work. And here's the thing, and we've said it a million times. Do just a little bit more work now and have an entire, you know, lifetime of adults who aren't in your basement at 45. No <laughs> offense if they are. I just don't want How mine do I there. get out of the basement? Right? <laughs> so yeah. really it is. It's put in the work now so that you don't have to oh, and they're yeah. so much happier or forevermore I can be having to you know pay for lead guide to our kids mm-hmm. because they can't do it no they can't do yeah it. it's you're, you're going to pay one way or another right so so let's pay now give them right? the skills right yeah. and this is too where you were just mentioning to show them the right or wrong in things so when you are encouraging them show them the right or wrong let mm-hmm. them see those things a couple others when it comes to thinking for themselves we need to encourage play we don't do this no, enough. Right. Play allows them to see their own abilities. It allows them to problem solve. We need to give them hands-on projects. Remember, when we allow them to do things themselves to lead and initiate, leading and initiate instills trust. Yeah. When they feel like they're trusted, that instills responsibility. Giving them an opportunity to lead something in the family. You Absolutely. be in charge of this family meeting. Son. Absolutely. Other Two other quick things when we're doing thinking for themselves. We need to encourage them to brainstorm. This allows them to problem solve, right? If you want to draw it out in bubble form like your English teacher made you do it or whatever, right? Put your problem in the middle and have them write all the solutions off to the side. But get them doing it themselves. They can do that. And plus it takes it off of us. Mm -hmm. And then we have to be consistent. If we want our kids to think for themselves, we have to give them opportunities every single day to do it. Not just once a month or once a week. Every day allow them to solve their own problems. And and, and then – let them see how how like how would we solve this problem that right. Donald just got into it's, or that Hillary just got into? We right. could solve it as a family. What sure. are other ways we could think about this? Turn it right back in. You can bring in any. It can be like I said, backyard with you know the jump rope or on TV with the pol- yeah. It doesn't matter. But use it. Use Heather, it to your advantage. You killed it. Well done, Heather. Thank you. Sure. He- again, go check out familyvolley.com and uh, if you go to Twitter at Pen and Paper Girl. She's got a a book out, Family Fun Fridays, soon to be releasing Family Fun Saturdays through Thursdays. (laughs) Good stuff. Heather Ann Johnson's her name. We'll take a break. 
We'll be right back helping you see the good in the world, folks. And remember, you're part of that good. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Great stuff by Heather Ann Johnson. Again, as a parent, you, you're trying to truly change your children uh, long-term. Always think long-term as we're talking about these issues with Heather. I could just tell somebody to vote for Trump or Hillary anytime, right? We could just go right there, right to the answer, hand it to our kids. The problem is um, you want them to have the skills and the tools to be able to do this long-term. And in the end, if we're not setting up the long-term game for them, we're hindering them. Sometimes the easy, fast answers haven't fixed anything. They, in fact, have just made a few things worse. Some other tools I always suggest uh, when we're trying to talk uh, about any problem-solving issue with, with another person, make sure that you you push your kids and anybody to spend more time trying to understand the issue. One, thank you. One of the things I found is that we don't know the issues well enough. And so when a politician can throw something out there and nobody questions it, the media might question it. They might even give it five Pinocchios or whatever. But in the end, um, most of the, the, the voters don't have a clue that they're full of it. They don't have a clue about what's going on because they haven't studied these issues out. A lot of people are so partisan and they just vote down the party line that they're not actually informed about what's going on. What really is happening with jobs, right? When the, when the um, Obama administration tells you that they put 20 million people on, um, you know, on health care that weren't on it before, that just sounds like a great number, right? It's awesome. And what's happening to the other 80% of people that were on health care? What's happened to theirs? Do you know? Because it's more than just one issue. There's 10 issues going on here. Has costs gone up for people? I mean, you hear that thrown around. Is that true? Is that an actual fact? So anyway, broaden your own pool of understanding. Make sure just as a listener or as a voter yourself that you avoid being overly simplistic, sensational, or even sensitive. Thank you. We have so many people that are just so sensitive to what others are saying that uh, it starts fights. It starts. I listened to a out, you know, all these outtakes that came from the Trump camp, all the outtakes that came from um, some of the Clinton camps. And you're sitting there thinking, are these adults presenting, you know, political arguments or are they just highly sensitive people freaking out on each other? Another rule about, I think, politics in general, you don't need to pile on. Ben loves a good pile on. Um, You don't need to pile on to somebody. A lot of times when people make mistakes or say something stupid, it's obvious. To pile on only makes you look like a bully. And again, that's what I want to teach my kids because when they're having an issue in their world, I don't want my child to be the one jumping on the one that's already down. Make sense? That's why uh, Heather's advice on working on the principles and the values are so much more important than positions. Positions are going to change. Principles and values, they're eternal. We'll take a break, folks. That's hour number two of the show. We'll be back next hour, one more hour, giving you the tools, the information you need to live healthier, happier lives. We'll be right back. 
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to hour number three of the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Or bottom bottom of the morning, as it may be. Hey, got a great show for you. We will be talking today about forgiving others and why it is good for your health. It's good to forgive, Terry. Is it? Yeah. Why? It's good for your health. What about holding grudges? Does that help? No. No. <laughs> no. When you hold a grudge, you only hold your own pain. Here's a question for you. Oh, here we go. I read some. I read something over the weekend yes. talking about some research okay. that said it's better that if you have some sort of anger towards someone, right? It's better to not share it with them, not confront them with it, not okay. bring it to their attention. But if you research shows that those people that do bring it to someone else's attention actually hold on to it longer than if you just deal with it within yourself, it goes away. Now, could you do both? It didn't say. It just said that those people that actually go to the person and say, this is why I'm angry. Yeah. It doesn't help them It heal. doesn't help. But if you keep it to yourself and just sort of deal with your own mm-hmm. situation, then you're fine and it dissipates quicker. I, uh, I could see that. That punching inanimate objects, yeah. those sorts of things, does not help. I think you need to be – no, it doesn't. And uh, I think you need to be good at both sides of it, right? At okay. being able to manage your own emotion – reinterpret what's going on, not be offended by somebody that's offensive. Mm-hmm. And then um, also you got to know how to still eventually go talk to some people about things. You don't need to talk to everybody about everything. Right. But the biggest problem I see in male-female relationships is 70% of the time men tend to withdraw mm-hmm. and not want to talk about it. And women 70, 70% of the time want to talk about it. Always. And then it turns into this fight or flight problem, yeah. which is where I make my money. <laughs> That's where Matt swoops in. <laughs> so, but I also try to teach people that, you know what, you don't have to be offended because somebody's offensive. Right. You know they're offensive. You know, it's they're, up to you. They're offensive every holiday you sit with them. And in this case, the guest wants to talk about yeah. getting to the next step, yeah, which is forgiving. forgiveness. And it's good for your health. Yeah. So we'll get into that in a few minutes. We also – we just got a lot of little headlines to talk about. We're not talking much about Trump because there's so much Olympic news. Right. It's such a great blessing. You're talking about the Olympics. Yeah, because I'm watching it on my special TV that allows me to have special access to every video. It's not really special. special. Quite a few people have it. Hold on. Really? Yeah. It's not just unique to you, your and your family and I your TV was, I setup. Think, I think my TV found. No, lots of people have this. Like really? I said, it's the parent company of the TV you know, broadcast network that has the rights to the game. So you have better access possibly yeah. than other people do. Uh-huh. Because I can see everything. But everybody has access. Oh. I thought it was special. No. Oh, well. You can watch it on your phone. I can? Yeah. If, I don't know why you want to. It's a small screen, but you know, if you want to watch whatever. Not everyone screen. can watch it on their phone, though. Let's be real. No, you have to know how to do it. Yeah, and you can't have a rotary phone, Ben. Anyway, where does he keep that? I don't know. He just so pulls it out on the huge. desk. Have you seen? It's in his backpack. Oh, and he puts it in his shopping cart, and then he's got it when he needs it with a really long extension cord. 
But he always has to plug it in. Hey, we will uh, we'll get to all of that, the headlines as well. We'll find out uh, how Ben's second-to-last day is going as well. Plus, BYU Sports Nation will be with us and a hero of the day. We are locked and loaded. A big show for you. But first, let's get to the headlines with our own Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin in a new Washington Post-ABC News poll, Hillary Clinton leads Donald Trump in a two-way race, 50% to 42%. This is consistent with other polling throughout the week, which showed Clinton maintaining a healthy lead. An anti-Trump Republican is set to enter the presidential race on Monday, offering up an independent challenge to the Republican nominee, who has disappointed many mainstream conservative commentators and voters. According to BuzzFeed News, CIA veteran and House GOP conference policy director Evan McMullen will fire... The necessary will fight will file the necessary paperwork around noon to make his presidential bid official. Reports that um, even though he's um, claiming a low profile, he will have the backing of major GOP donors as well as the support and assistance of well-known party operatives. Democratic vice presidential nominee Tim Kaine assured voters that Hillary Clinton will become a beacon of accountability while speaking on NBC Sunday. Kaine was defending Clinton over widespread charges that she recently lied about whether FBI Director James Comey said she was honest about her private email server. Kaine also argued that even a month from now, Americans will no longer be concerned about Clinton's honesty. Alex Rodriguez announced that he is going to play his final game with the New York Yankees on Friday. He will go on to become a special instructor for the team afterwards. He said this is a tough day at a news conference announcing the decision. Rodriguez will retire as the fourth all-time leader in home runs. And lastly, more news on your Olympics, Matt. Katie Ledecky won her first individual gold of the 2016 Rio Olympics in world record time on Sunday night. The 400-meter freestyle was her first individual swim of the Games, and she won with a time of 3 minutes, 56.46 seconds. Her Mm. nearest competitor, Great Britain's Jazz Carlin, earned the silver medal almost 5 seconds behind Ledecky. So... Congratulations to her. Ledecky's U.S. teammate, Leah Smith, claimed the bronze medal. So Super cool. There you go. Congratulations to Congratulations USA. to them. Well done, Caitlin. Man, that's uh, they're, they're doing great. And who better than Michael Phelps? Michael Phelps has just won his 19th gold medal. He did. He's going for another one, I think, this afternoon. But he's got all these welts on his body. If you look at any of the photographs that have come out, he's covered in welts up and down his shoulders. And uh, it looks like he either was, like, attacked. Yeah. Or... Those, they look like hickeys. But what what they are is it's called as it's a traditional Chinese medicine treatment called cupping. When large hot section or suction cups are left on the skin for several minutes, resulting in hickey-like marks. Whoa! The uh, prevalence of such spots on athletes in the in the Olympics is proof that such forms of alternative medicine are becoming increasingly mainstream. Um, and then it talks about Gwyneth Paltrow and some stuff she does. Uh, <laughs> cupping is believed to treat everything from muscle and joint pain to the common cold and cancer. Wow. And so he's, he, people are, are entering. But others say there's no proof at all that cupping has any benefit. There's some vague conceptual connection with acupuncture, and it's often sold by the same type of uh, – same place where you'd go for acupuncture would also have cupping – so, so you heat up these yeah. cups, you put them on your skin, and the suction effect when it cools off is it pulls your skin in. I've heard some people say it, 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 it draws some of the toxins that show up in your muscles mm-hmm. after you work out. It pulls them out a little bit more so they can... But it seems like it's pretty harsh on the old... Well, it leaves you covered in hickeys, but other than that, there's really so no... So if you're walking down the streets of Rio and some lady's like, hey, do you want me to do some ancient cupping... <laughs> therapy on you i'd say no yeah just go to a trained cupper 
there's a funny quote here from a uh, pharmacology professor in London. He says, it's desperately implausible how sucking a bit of skin up in a cup can do anything to help your athletic performance. But, you know, whatever. Well, maybe it's very – it's psychological if he says to himself, if I don't win this gold, yeah. I have to have 500 suction cups put on my back to let it Maybe. And then he's like, I don't want that. I'm going to really swim hard. True <laughs> so psychology. Apparently the swimmers are the ones that are doing this. So you'll see them covered in welts. And don't worry. Don't worry. They're doing this. It's, it's, it's medicine. It's legit. Well. I mean, it's legit in their mind. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to proof, it's the. the I, I don't believe it. I think they were probably out. swimming in a river in Rio and these little sucker fish came on and just started sucking. Could be. Could be piranha. You don't know. You don't. You don't know. Um, other news, Serena and Venus Williams lose for the first time. That's a, that's a big deal. You go in and you take, out, you take out America's strong doubles, female doubles team. Yeah. It's the first time they've lost six, together. 6-3 to 6-4 to the Czech pair. Barbara Strakova and Lucy Sarafarova. You, you need to say opponents from Czech, you know, the Czech Republic or however they want yeah, to say it. What, what fun is that? Don't say their names. No, you got to say their name. That's yeah. the fun part. No, the, no one knows who they are. No one will know who they are. And you tripping over the name doesn't serve anybody. <laughs> but it's so fun. <laughs> so are they out? I guess they're out. I don't know. People lose and there's like 90 events, so they might pop up somewhere else. You seem so cynical about the Olympics. It seems like there's a lot of uh, opportunities for everyone to win something. Well, it's not like everyone gets a trophy. These are gold medals. At some point, there's just there's quite a bit of medal winning and you just kind of lose track of significance. And mm. Hey, there's a world record and something we just barely started. Man. Though, have you watched the rugby? Not yet. Rugby's no. fun. I was watching some uh, women. It was England versus Fiji. Ooh. That was kind of fun. Someone hyperextended an elbow. There was uh, someone's head got crushed underneath someone's knee. And you, you'll see things in any other sport here in the U.S. If you did the same sort of like contact with somebody, yeah. it would end up in a fight. But they just stop and move on. It's part of the game. That's cool. They're pulling on ears. They're yanking arms. All kinds of stuff. See what well, you, you see. You're a brute. Well, I yeah. Right. I mean, I bring up. I bring up. You like the graceful, handball. artistic. I no. like more of the the brute force. I like handball. Eh. You like things that may or may not be actually a sport. Oh my heavens! What's handball? It's a ball in the hand. You throw yeah. it in the net. It's a lot like basketball without without shooting. You it. have to explain like nine other sports to come down to handball. It was a, it was a it was a really fun sport. So that they could play more sports. <laughs> They're making things up in gymnasiums. Yeah, yeah. Did you not play it as a little kid, though? Uh, probably. It may have had a different name. Yeah, you, Red Rover, Red Rover. Yeah, sure. Terry, <laughs> right over. Here I come. Of course, I would. I'm running. Run as hard as and fast as I can, and crash through as many arms as I could. Yeah. No one ever. That's the brooding. Stop me from breaking through the arms. Well, you shouldn't be proud of the that. The key was when you'd get close, you jump up and have a real hard downward angle at uh-huh. the wrists and just break that connection right there <sighs> see brute force that's how you play red rover you are a brute hey a uh, little interesting news for you uh zoinks zoinks and scooby snack huh has been added to the oxford dictionary do i get a scooby snack but why what do you mean but why why would they be added it's it's a cartoon zoinks scooby what do you mean 
is it needed? Is is it in the general lexicon of society that we need to have these words defined? Have you ever heard of the term Scooby Snack? Yeah. That's why it's needed. Okay. See how easy that is? <laughs> so just because. Do you remember when we hit Ben the other day with that ball? Remember? And he's mm-hmm. like, zoinks! No. You don't remember that? Were you not here? Maybe I was. You probably... Didn't pay attention. You're probably working. I was probably working while the rest were playing. You're such an elitist. <laughs> By the way, uh, the official definition for a Scooby snack is a snack, especially given as a reward or inducement, a bite-sized treat or a large multi-layered sandwich, like those eaten by the cartoon character, Groovy Doo. Yeah. So now we have terms based on cartoon characters and their eating habits. Yeah, which so. uh, ironically you have never worried about. No. If it were in a Marvel comic. Well, those are graphic novels. It's different. What? They're called graphic novels. What's a graphic novel? You would call it a comic book, but it's they're, a comic tr- they're book. really called a graphic novel. Marvel Not comics. No, it's – come on. They don't, call them, they don't call it DC graphic novels. No, they call it DC comics. But when they exactly. put out the book, it's, it's of a higher level of intellect. It, no. The Let's stories are more sophisticated. The plot lines are more, more in-depth. If I remember, the words were wham. No, they don't. Pow. Do, not anymore. Suck. That was back then. They have, they're writing to a new generation, more advanced, more mature. You are a nerd. <laughs> nerd! You, Should I bring in a graphic novel so you can have you not? Have you not watched what four teens Uh-oh. Uh-oh. and a dog can do in yeah. a mystery machine? They have their own comic book now. Which has now been returned. You mean graphic novel? A graphic novel. I was saying, I'm trying to speak your language. Okay. The less educated, less refined way that you look at the subject. Less nerd? Less nerd alert. There you go. I'll take that title. Any day of the week. You're, it's not a bad thing that you're a nerd. We, we need somebody to walk us through those stories that we would not normally understand. Just think name-calling is beneath the show, but it's you keep not, dragging it's, it in. It's not a name-calling. That's why it's, you identify with Trump so much. It's a statement of fact. I identify with Trump. <laughs> By the way, it's International Cat Day. Remember that. As you're walking down the street and you see a cute little kitty, say, Here, kitty, kitty. Get down on one knee, pick that kitty up, and just nuzzle your nose right into its furry little neck. Time to show love to the cats of the world. By the way, the most popular pet on the planet, which I highly disagree with. I'm a dog man. Don't even have one. But if I had a pet, I'd have a dog. Just because I'm allergic to cats. Hey, that, uh, you know, you got to love them. Cats, they're God's cats, too. I don't know what that means. But it's also Bowling Day and Happy Happiness Happens Day. It's a big day, busy day. We will take a break, folks. we got to get to our interview. Uh, we'll be talking about forgiving others and its impact on your health, giving you some ideas, some tools to be able to uh, forgive people that have hurt you or let you down. Stick with us. Interesting discussion coming up, plus some uh, fun times with BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. we got a fun hour. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little Kelly Pickler for you. I forgive you, and according to our next guest, that might be very, very valuable for you. Life can be stressful. You've got deadlines, finances, families. The list is endless. So now there seems to be hundreds of different cures for stress, medications, lotions, potions, lights, spas, psychologists, you name it. But what if it's a lot simpler than that? What if there's one thing you can do today to eliminate a lot of stress in your life? Well, we have on our show today Dr. Lauren um, Toussaint, who's joining us, a professor of psychology at Luther College. He's going to tell us about how he found out through his own studies and research that forgiving others is actually uh, is great for your health. Dr. Lauren Toussaint, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You bet. Great uh, great research, too, and we appreciate your willingness to teach us and walk us through this. So you found in, in some of your studies um, and about forgiveness. First of all, when we talk about forgiveness, I guess we we got to be really clear what we mean. Um, what, what, how do you define forgiveness? Well, it's interesting because I think that's the probably the place that most people get hung up is yeah. they get confused about what this thing is, and um, for me, it's it's really internal. It's it's almost entirely within uh, a given person, and it's it's simply um, just letting go of the bad stuff that you might think or feel or the ways the ways that you might act towards somebody that hurts you, and trying to just let go of all that bad stuff and trying to replace it with anything that would be a little bit better. Mm. So, you know, if you're, if you're kind of angry with a coworker and you're avoiding them and giving them the scowl from across the the, uh, the office room, uh, maybe you know, maybe you can just say good morning once and yeah. um, just trying to add a little bit of positivity back into that um, into that feeling or that that way that you think about that person. And, and you've you've done more than just read about it. You've you've actually performed a study. Talk to us about your work and your study. Yeah, well, so we got to thinking, um, if you define forgiveness that way, uh, which is really about in, kind of managing internal emotions and thoughts and and really just focusing on that basic phrase of letting it go and and disconnecting from it, don't, don't let that anchor you, then it occurred to us that that could probably be a pretty effective way of coping with a lot of life's uh, relationship issues. And, mm. boy, I'm, I'm guessing that you know as well as I do, there's a lot of those oh, things yeah. out there. <laughs> and, and people can't let go, can we? And so many of the issues, like you just said, so many of our days and our problems and our stresses come from people and our interactions with people. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Matt. Um, when you think about the stresses of your typical daily life, um, you know, we all got the big ones, but they kind of come and go, and, and for most of us, thankfully, they're, they're not real common. Um, you, you know, you, you just you don't have really major stresses every day, but every day you do have uh, those issues of, you know, maybe your spouse got up on the wrong side of the bed, or maybe your kid barked at you, or maybe your supervisor wasn't as complimentary as you thought they should be, and you feel <laughs> kind of offended by that. Right. All of those, all of those things... They, you know, if you if you can't approach that with kind of a forgiving attitude, um, that can really be a source of a lot of pain and a lot of trouble for people. And so, we we thought that uh, forgiveness 
I mean, the thing that really prompted this for us is we really thought forgiveness would serve well as a coping mechanism in life. Mm. And, and so that's where we started with that kind of premise. Um, and then we, we went a couple steps further than that. We said, um, if it's a coping mechanism, it should be the case that it would help uh, kind of buffer or protect you from the ravages of daily stresses. And that's kind of a that's kind of a standard um, way of thinking about it in the scientific literature on psychology is that by definition a coping mechanism should help alleviate stress. Hmm. And and so I mean you can think about other things that you might do um, if, uh, if you're a little bit nervous when you're in traffic or something. Right. Um, you're a new driver in a big city. Sometimes it helps to. You know, maybe distract yourself a little bit, think about something that you enjoy, or maybe think about your upcoming vacation or something. Um, and so that kind of takes the edge off some of those things, and that's what we thought that forgiveness would do. And So in our study, we measured um, life stresses, we measured forgiveness as a coping mechanism, and then we measured very globally um, a mental health and physical health, and we kind of just had a very global index of health, and we found a you know we found a couple of things, and I think um, I think for you and most of your listeners, you, you would not be surprised to hear that uh, stress is related to poor health. I mean that's yeah right. <laughs> that's that's pretty obvious, right? We've known that for a long time, and and we found that again um, that people that reported more of the stresses, especially those you know relationship stresses and the things that we've just talked about, they had poor poor health. Um, and we also found, uh, a little bit newer, but, but at this point now, probably fairly expected, we found that forgiveness was related to better health. And mm. we, find that, we find that pretty consistently in the studies that we do, that forgiveness is related to better health. And that's kind of newer news. Um, but again, you know, we've probably been, I've been studying this for just about 20 years, and we find a pretty consistent pattern. Um, so that was not any... Uh, real big uh, shock to us. But what we found really interesting was that um, the people that were the most forgiving, when you looked at the connection between stress and health, usually we think stress is related to poor health, but for people that are really forgiving, that connection is almost erased. Really? Like the, like the magic eraser. It just it kind of dissolves the... Um, it dissolves that that uh, you know that kind of cliche stress is bad for your health. Well, not if you're a real forgiving person. It just doesn't seem like that connection um, is as strong. It's like it's so like you're we, so strong. Your coping mechanism to pain and hurt from others is so high. It doesn't impact your stress levels as much. Yeah, and you know that's a great way to think about it. Um, we like to kind of use the term, and a lot of people use the term resilience. Uh, for uh, a way of of kind of um, protecting yourself against stress and promoting your health is that you, you like to think that um, in life, you know, sometimes things happen, stressors occur, uh, but you hope that you're a resilient person, right? I mean, I think right. that, that's what we all want. And I think that's the real key here is that when you're able to forgive, and you're not just, we're not, I mean, the way we measured it in this study, we're not just talking about uh, somebody who once in a while can forgive 
and they managed to muster up the strength to say, okay, that's all right. And this, yeah. These, these are people, the, the people that we studied are people that are consistently, they're not forgiving instances, they are forgiving people. They're, they're, they're like, they're, yeah, they're, they're Olympic forgive, they're, they're Olympic they, forgivers. Exactly, yeah. That's they're a, great. That's a great way to think about it, and it's, it's so timely to... To think about it, yeah, they're like Olympian forgivers. They they really hone their craft. Okay, Lauren, let's take a break. I want to come back um, and and have you talk sure. to us about how how we do that. How do we become this Olympic type of uh, of a forgiver and really get skilled at, at letting things go? We're speaking with Dr. Lauren Toussaint from uh, Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. We'll be right back, folks, helping you uh, find the good in the world and the good maybe in forgiving. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Forgiveness, folks, it, uh, it's one of the hard things to do in this world, isn't it? To actually let stuff go. But according to our guest, Dr. Lauren Toussaint from um, Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, he's the Associate Director of the Sierra Leone Forgiveness Project and a consultant to the Mayo Clinic, the Department of Pastoral Care at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And he has basically done a study proving or showing that there's a there's a correlation, folks. When people that are the most forgiving tend to have uh, in his study the the least amount of stress. Is that a, is that the proper way to 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 pose the or to formulate the the findings of the research, Lauren? Yeah, I, I think um, that's a good way to put it. That um, forgiving people they just suffer less from the effects of stress. That's a good way to say it. That's yeah. and it's. Seems obvious, right? But not so obvious. Um, I guess the hard part is how do we do it? What were some of the ways that you saw in these kind of Olympian strength forgivers, those that were really good at it? What do they do? What are some of the techniques that they use to forgive? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question because I think um, sometimes people get the sense that uh, it's it's just the way I am. Mm. You know, some people are more forgiving. Some people are less forgiving, and it's, sometimes it's easy to get defeated and feel like, well, I'm just not, you know, I, I hear people say things like, I'm just not a real forgiving person. And I cringe when I hear that, um, because, frankly, that's kind of like um, somebody saying, you know, well, I'm, I'm just not really a good walker, or I'm just not really a good talker. I mean, all of these things, or most all of these things in life that we take for granted, that we do well... Um, talking with one another, communicating, you know, getting around, doing the things that you need to do. We practiced all of that for years until we got really good at it and, mm. and, and got to a point where we almost, it's almost second nature. I mean, very few of us struggle for words when we're trying to tell somebody we're hungry or we need to, you know, use the bathroom. Right. Or, you know, these things come very natural to us. And and if you think back, or if you um, are around young children, you realize very quickly, wow, that didn't come natural um, initially. I had to work hard to, to figure this out. And um, I think that's the same thing with forgiveness, is, is that it's not the case that it's just you're one way or another. It's a skill like any other, but you have to be patient 
You have to work very hard to refine that skill. And then, like anything, um, you know, if you get good at shooting a free throw, uh, but you walk away from it for ten years, you come back. You're yeah. probably going to hit. You're going to hit the rim. You're going to clank it off the rim several times because you're you kind of got rusty the skill. And so, that's the number one thing I think that people often, um, you know, kind of t- um, to say they maybe trip at the starting line is. They they get they start to stumble and don't get much into the forgiveness process because they think that it's either an innate ability and they either have it or they don't. And so when things get tough, they just give up and say, "Well, I'll just have to that's, live with this pain." Yeah, that's how that's how it is. It is what it is. Is it? How do I? Because the pain, it seems like a lot. My brain would want to keep the pain there um, so that I don't get hurt again in the future. And so right. forgiveness is about almost preventing re-injury except so so how do i get my brain that wants to kind of self-preserve to risk enough to just let it go yeah and so you really hit the key there and i i would i would say um my aim would be for people to have a pain-free memory of their offense and I, i say that might sound kind of odd but I want you to let go of the pain and the anger and the, you know, maybe the vengeance that you have toward the person who hurt you. I don't want you to forget what they did to you because yeah. if, you, if you do that, you risk being hurt by these people again. And, and that, that's the forgive and that. forget, right? Everyone always says, if you forgive, you forget. But you're saying you don't have to forget. You're not brain no. dead. Uh, you no, can remember, no. but, but try to alleviate or eliminate the pain. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think... Um, the issue really becomes this cultural adage that we all toss around so flippantly. Um, forgive and forget is kind of a, in a way, it's kind of a ridiculous thing to assume that someone could do. If someone hurts you so bad that you're struggling to forgive them, do you really think you're ever going to forget it? Yeah, no way. I, I, I will hope not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably, as you say, it's probably not very adaptive. It's not very good for us as as individuals if we forget these things. And that's why it's, it's easy to remember them, but to try and purge the painful side of it, let go of those negative emotions, the negative thoughts that are really tying you down. Um, and the way that we often encourage that is there's, there's kind of a, uh, you know, several key things here, but um, I'll, I'll say just a, just a couple of them. Yeah, Lauren, um, we've only got about a minute and a half, so, so give, us, give us your top two or whatever. Yeah, the top two would be um, you definitely want to find a way to defeat the um, physical effects of that anger, and that might be deep breathing or some kind of imagery. Um, the other thing you want to do is try to think about all those other good things, um, things like empathy, humility, gratitude. Those things are often kind, uh, you know, important building blocks hmm. to help you get on your way to forgiveness, and they all kind of support one another. And so, uh, you know, kind of generally moving in that direction of positive. Because you have to turn off the you have to turn off the body, the physiology that wants to kind of keep producing pain, fear, yeah. fight or flight, and you yeah. also are saying turn your thought, your active thinking, to more of a positive side. Look for the positive things that are also going on. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said. Yeah. That's great. Well, I you know what, Lauren, I appreciate the research because it's so easy to just kind of throw these ideas out there, but to actually have research backing up that those that are really good at forgiving actually have less stress in their lives 
I mean, that's that's pretty groundbreaking, I think. And um, keep up the good work there at uh, at your university at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. And we look forward to talking to you again someday. Yeah, I hope so. It's been great. Thank you, Matt. You bet. Dr. Lauren Toussaint, again, uh, wonderful work there on forgiveness. We all need it, don't we? And what a great skill to have for resiliency. That's one you could also teach your family as well. We'll take a break, come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. If you're a sports fan, you know this music. We call it the Hey Song. Hey! Let's shoot it down to two guys that uh, full of hay. Spencer and Jerem at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen! Hey. Tell me hey. a better pump-up song than that. That Doesn't that pump you up? Yes. I'm pumped. We missed it. We didn't even get to the best I know, part. I know, but I couldn't wait. You guys got a show to do. Did we run out of rights? What yeah. happened? There? Yeah, the rights ended right there. They gave us seven. Hey! They gave us seven haze, and then we're hayed out. That's the, that's the same line that uh, BYU men's soccer a couple years ago. I helped call those games slash did some PR stuff. And <laughs> any any questionable call, the the entire coaching staff on the side. Hey! <laughs> like every hey! time. Hey! Is that is that where that song came from? Probably. The coach they is probably yelling. Got it from that. Hey, hey, are you guys watching the Olympics or what? Oh, totally. I love, I love it. I don't love everything in the Olympics, but I like a lot of them. Okay, here's a few to question you on. Handball. Did you watch any handball? No. Do you guys have the special TV function where you can watch everything? Yes. Love it. Greatest gift on earth ever. Yes. Maybe. No. Next to cancer no, no, no. treatment. NFL Red Zone is the greatest gift. Is it? Non-religious gift ever. Okay, yeah. So um, I watched handball. I'm wondering why we don't play more handball in the United States. Because we have a lot we of have other sports things. that make money. Because <laughs> we have a life. Okay, uh, I watched some table tennis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those really guys. Fun. Those really guys. Entertaining. It's entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I don't. The 54 year old versus the 19 year old. I know. It doesn't seem fair. An older man playing with a kid. Um, I also uh, I didn't watch any I didn't see any events where I thought I saw something weird floating in the water. <laughs> Are those yet to come? Apparently, I w- I was a little bit worried about the kayakers. Were you? I they didn't have see their any own of that. little course. It's not like a, yeah, like they have like a freshwater co- like separate. It's like a swimming pool with rapids. Oh really? Yeah, it's not like in the bay. I know still. <laughs> It's floating pieces when of they're telling whatever. you don't put your head underwater. Yeah, that's mainly I think for the like triathletes or whatever, right? Where oh it's boy, more raw. Yeah, than the actual water, and by raw we mean raw, right? I think this is the first triathlon where they'll be using scuba gear. <laughs> that would be. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you got to put on your full. Scuba <laughs> you got to like, get a whole tank on. Hey, I'm out of air. We're granting you teams <laughs> to help you expedite the process of putting on a full scuba suit. <laughs> We've we've granted a waiver of 30 seconds to don your suit. (laughs) 
Um, so what's your favorite what's your favorite thing so far you've seen in the Olympics the most the, the greatest win the greatest you know whatever moment the four by 100 relay in swim was fun because it was unexpected by the United States and Michael Phelps was back and there was some question about whether or not arguably the greatest greatest Olympic champion was going to be involved in that race or not leading up to the prelims and so I thought the payoff for that was really cool huge I loved it yeah that's there's so much speed there right and Michael Phelps' debut, and they win gold, and it's awesome. I liked uh, Ledecky just crushing the competition. Oh, amazing. We sent out a tweet this morning uh, using a photo of her way out in front, and we said, here's how the Big 12 expansion race is going with blue goggles on. Huh? And it's BYU way out in front. Sweet. Cincinnati, Houston, UConn. There. Sweet. Yeah. That's a great— That's that how a, we roll. We that, no, that was really good graphic work. The it, stories that come out in the Olympics are always— Amazing as well. The mm-hmm. 41-year-old gymnast who was in the 92 Barcelona Olympics, she competed in the vault last night. I just That's amazing. Seven Olympic games for yeah. a gymnast. That's awesome. She's 41. She, I, I dare say she's the greatest athlete uh, you know, in the Olympics ever from Uzbekistan. Like in, in, all the, in all the years I've covered Uzbekistan, I would say she is the best. Jerem, oh. don't downplay this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up playing. Cumulatively, how many years have you covered Uzbekistan? Uh, I started yesterday. Okay. Good. Um, okay. So what? All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I, I haven't. T- I didn't say I did a lot of no. really cool. With How about this? the swimmer that pushed a bunch of refugees? I know that's well. our hero story of the day. Incredible. Amazing. Amazing. And I mean, and and major cheers for her as well. What about uh, there's a BYU player on the volleyball team? Let's talk right? about the Cougs. Okay. Taylor Sander did not have his best uh, match yesterday. He'll as be Team back. USA lost to the Canadians. Oh. Uh, but they do play Italy Tuesday. Okay. And then today at 3.30 Eastern time, Casey Patterson, beach volleyball duo with Jake Gibb, who's from Bountiful, Utah, mm. uh, and went to the University of Utah. Uh, they play at 3.30. They beat a team from Qatar, and they play today against a team from Austria. Hold on. This is, this is sand volleyball, right? Uh-huh. Qatar? Yep. They, so, so, isn't it Q-Ader? <laughs> isn't it Qatar? <laughs> Qatar. I don't know. It just doesn't see. It seems like they have an advantage. Lots of sand. Doesn't mm-hmm. seem fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, neither guy from Qatar was from Qatar. Oh. <laughs> well, one was um, from Sudan and the other was from Brazil. They were imports. They somehow recruited them to play for Qatar. I don't uh, see how that It doesn't works. seem hey, fair. Got dual citizenship, man. That's good. What's they on? didn't mention that. They both had dual, they had dual citizenship. That they probably picked up within the last six weeks. Hey, come mm-hmm. live here for a year. It's like, it's like the people that uh, use their... Uh, relative or friend's address in California mm-hmm. to get a discount at Disneyland. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Everybody oh, yeah, lives in Disneyland. <laughs> California resident. What, uh, what else is on your show today, boys? Oh, BYU oh, football fall camp is underway. underway. Oh, oh, we're going. Yeah. Day yeah. three today, we will have a live report from practice. Oh, the emerging storylines, revelations at quarterback. Yeah. <gasps> One on one with Jamal Williams and Troy Warner. Harvey Longy as defensive end, maybe. Yes, see you're all over. <laughs> Jerem saw Suicide Squad. He's going to give us his movie critic report. Oh wow! Tom Holmo's running the streets of Provo with a blue helmet on. This is crazy. Hopefully other cities too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> There's guys, a lot going on, baby. That's a great show, and I, I want you to notice that you pumped right up the minute we talked about fall camp football. You guys turned on like just a bunch of kids and sugar. There is a lot to cover. Cougars on the PGA Tour making millions. The BYU basketball roster was announced. A former Cougar great's coming back to help coach BYU basketball. Yeah, there's a lot going on. 
What a ain't nobody, show. Ain't nobody got time for that. We'll get you the best. <laughs> okay, so that's just oh, that's only in about seven minutes or so. Yes, yes. So you guys got to go wax on, I understand. Really, I got to hit my string cheese, so that's what Jerem I'm Jerem right usually now. does his push-ups, get those veins Jerem's popping. Jerem's doing that at those, six in the morning Did now. that this morning. We're Did all you? good. Are you ready? Going. I'm you on ripped? the shepherd diet. Oh, oh the By shepherd's diet, pie? I mean, Exercise. Isn't that when you just eat shepherd's pie three meals yeah, a day? Exactly, exactly. That's a hard potatoes one. and shepherd's pie. Mm. And meatloaf. Now that's a good diet. I start my beach body couples challenge today, Matt. Ooh. I'll beach body couples challenge? Yep. You and your wife or mm-hmm. you and Jerem? Oh, she's a twenty one day fixed beach body coach, man. She's uh <gasps> Is she really? She's recruited me. To she's the real deal. A bunch of other couples. Yep. Oh my heavens. Are we gonna see pictures? Oh well, of his wife. That's a weird question. My yeah, be, my before and after. Did he? Nope, did, you didn't think I wanted that. pictures of you, did you, Spence? <laughs> that sounds so creepy. <laughs> that sounds so creepy. Okay, let's end it on that note then. Okay. Hey guys, have a great show and Thanks, a good sir. workout. Peace. Peace out, yo. Bye. Boy, did I just ask for pictures of Jerem's wife? Didn't you throw me under the bus for that uh, dollop of Daisy thing? Yeah. I don't know why you're bringing that up now. That was two hours ago. Can I throw you under the bus for this? Like, You can try. But again, let's remember, I'm the bus driver. And I'll done back up my bus <laughs> right back over you. But I'm the crossing guard, Matt. I'll throw you under. Anyway, don't mind the guy behind the curtain there. Did you hear this... Uh, you got to listen to this. A judge has told a farmer to stop using crushed eggshells as fertilizer. A judge has ordered an upstate New York farmer to stop using eggshells as fertilizer after neighboring businesses complained the smell and clouds of flies drove away customers. Peter Hosty has been applying crushed eggshells to his hay fields in Bethel since his usual fertilizer of liquid duck manure was cut off by the supplier last summer. <laughs> the owners of a restaurant and a distilling company adjacent to the fields. <laughs> There's Ben trying to catch liquid duck manure. Let me just tell you, we sent him out on... Uh, on the scene to try to capture liquid duck manure. It's a lot harder to capture than than you'd think. Just holding the duck still, obviously. This is video of Ben in a tub with (laughs) a duck. By the way, the same tub he'll make ice cream out of. Interesting. Ice sanitized. It seems like to me that uh, duck manure liquid would be worse than eggshells. What is that noise? Okay. Anyway, it creates an unbearable stench and serves as a source of fly larvae, the, the, the eggs do. So, again, you, you decide. Maybe that was extreme. I don't know. I don't want to say. Duck larvae, I mean, uh, duck uh, liquid manure or eggs, you know, seems it could go either way. Ben obviously liked the liquid. Thought it was liquid soap. Hey, one of my uh, stories that uh, I wasn't going to mention, but I'm mentioning it. A great story about a bride who was walked down the aisle by a, a man that wasn't her father because her father died. Her father uh, died and um, gave up his heart as a donation. 
um, because after the accident. And the person that ended up walking the daughter down the aisle was the recipient of her father's heart. Is that the greatest story in the world? It's true. And when you when you think about it, dad's heart, even though he passed away, still beating in the man that uh, got to... Got to walk the woman down the heart. At the end, I wish I could, for some reason, my computer's not pulling up right now. But the irony and the crazy story is at the end of walking down, um, she, the man put her hand on his heart and on, uh, on his pulse and basically looked her in the eye and said, can you feel him? Can you feel him? So we'll put that video up, beautiful video of uh, and showing, too, how when we serve and we give others service, some amazing, um, amazing things can happen. And most importantly, when you watch the video, just check your heart and see what you feel. No pun intended. But what do you feel um, when you're able to see that? Now, here is the uh, here's the final story of our hero, a hero story. You may have remembered the story that they were talking about a Syrian refugee months ago who swam to save her life. They had about 18 people on a boat of refugees and there were the boat engine conked out, and they were trying to to move these refugees across um, uh, some water. And two women jumped in and started swimming, and swam and pushed the boat, pushed the boat uh, for thousands of feet um, in order to save and get these people out of the water. Well, that very same refugee. 18-year-old athlete uh, who saved 20 people on the boat. She's now competing in the Olympics. And yesterday won her first round uh, heat um, with a time of one minute and nine seconds. And then uh, in in her first round of qualifying in the 100-meter butterfly. So refugees, folks, cool story. Hero of the day, those that are looking for freedom and uh, work so hard they eventually save others. That's the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. We can't do it without you. Until tomorrow, make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.